Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks again for being back with us here. It is Monday, July the 20th, 2020, and it is episode number 185. We are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. As always, I'm Joe Murata. I'm joined by hanging with Michael Quinn. How you doing, Michael? Howdy doody. So, Quinn, we were just talking about a TGIF off the air right before we started yeah. here. So, now, now <laughs> I got with Mr. Cooper. Now I got like Nell Carter appearing on Hanging <laughs> with Mr. Cooper in my head. It was a good time, folks. But speaking of a good time, we're going to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. And uh, we have some topics in store for you. But before we get to any of that, hope everyone's doing okay here as the summer rolls on. Uh, if you have a Twitter, follow us there, okay, at OVP Podcast. And the reason, Quinn, that people may want to do that is the clips. Oh, the clips. There's tons of them. GIFs, too. Now there's GIFs. Yeah, get, we, get the Larry Z GIF. We need to get it into the search thing. Yeah, we La- need to get it into the Giphy search or whatever. It has to be Twitter. shared enough or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But, like, I, I want it in the, like, the search so people could just type Larry Z. And you get the spinny fingers Larry yeah. Z. Uh, but not only that, we get, like, on this day type of stuff. Some rare stuff. Some common stuff over on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Follow us there. Also, if you have an email, you can email us there, electronic mail. Right. And we have one of those boxes. It's ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there's a really nice place to talk to you and me and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics on the internet. Where is it? Over at Facebook.com slash Nell Carter. Um, <laughs> it's a great... Give me a break. It's a great site where you can talk about the career of Nell Carter yes. and wrestling. <laughs> Give me a break. Give me a break. And if you want to do that, Quinn, how do you get to this group? You type in the search bar, our vantage point, dash, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tubes, gork, fluey, uh, hanging, <laughs> hanging, hanging with Mr. With Mr. Cooper. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're there. And then and, you're just in. Yeah, right? you just hit the join button. Right, the operators—they're standing by. They let you in, folks. Now, Quinn, the point of this group is to talk about wrestling on the internet. But the reason we do this is kind of to provide a place where people can, you know, post questions, have discussions, have debate. But they do it in a way where we have one major rule, and it is: don't be a what, Quinn? Dingus. Don't be a dingus. If you don't know what that means, just think about it a little bit. But ask yourself: Am I being a dingus with this comment here? Click, Does click, anybody click. ever want to be a dingus? I don't think like, so. You don't want to be known as a dingus. No, it's not a good thing to be known as. Or Dingai, if it's multiple dinguses. But but anyway, yeah, you don't want to be known as that, so don't do it. No, don't do it. Just be nice, be respectful of each other, disagree, you know, talk about the old wrestling. It's a fun time. It's over on Facebook. And also, just a reminder, we do have a Patreon. That's if you want to support the show. Uh, We appreciate that, of course. But you get a lot of stuff in return, and the biggie is the pay-per-view reviews. Those are on the $5 tier. Which is the highest tier? If you want to get your hands on SummerSlam 90, which is out right now, you can do that. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You'll unlock SummerSlam 90 in every pay-per-view review all the way back to the first WrestleMania. And, of course, next month will be Survivor Series 90 and the egg and all of that. Um, <laughs> the egg. And just Survivor Series in, in general. general. <laughs> we know how much I love that. Quint loves it. But, uh, folks, we've been doing a segment that you guys seem to love as well. It's, uh, it's called The Up-and-Comers. Now, Quinn... Throughout retro wrestling's history, 
Mm-hmm. Just retro wrestling. Just history. retro wrestling's history. We've seen uh, some new faces arrive in World Wrestling Federation or World Championship Wrestling. You know, the a fresh face, right? A blue chipper, a they're, hot prospect. They're going places, they, really. Brand new faces, that's yeah. right. And they are trying. They're making their way up the ladder. They are scrapping and clawing. And sometimes, obviously, these guys work out. You know, newcomers like Randy Orton or Brock Lesnar, people like that. John Cena. Real winners. Right? Rocky Maivia. Although... There are times, Quinn, where these up-and-comers, they just kind of fizzle out. They don't work out maybe the way a promoter had hoped or the fans had hoped. And all season long, folks, we've been talking about the up-and-comers that never came. It's very upsetting. Very boo. (laughs) It's very Very. boo. Now, Quinn, this is a request. Okay. Okay. Because we do accept those. This is from Quentin Lang. Quentin. Quentin. Quentin, I told you not to get your head shaved. And he says on Twitter to us, how about this person for an up and comer? I'll tell you in a second. My son, who's been watching old superstars with me, thinks it's hilarious. And they always refer to him as young Sam Houston. Always always young. (laughs) I tell you, he'll have his hands full with young Sam Houston. He never was old. He was never old. Yeah. Now, Sam Houston, folks, is one. And we're not talking about, like, the politician, that guy that Houston is named after, the city. Wasn't he, like, a hero in a war or something? He was everything to Texas. He was the president of Texas. That's a real thing. president, It's real. But we're not talking about him. We're talking about Grizzly Smith's son. Right. Mike Smith. Jake the Snake Jr. (laughs) or whatever. So, Sam Houston, if you uh, recognize him maybe from the World Wrestling Federation, he had a career prior to that. That's probably where he was most successful, but it, he was successful in, well, is a relative term. It was. He did win the NWA Mid-Atlantic uh, Heavyweight Championship. A new Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Champion, Sam Houston. And Crockett. But, but, but back then, that was like, that was yeah. literally like, they <laughs> had 7,000 belts. <laughs> right. It's like winning the TV title or something. Essentially. So young Sam Houston is a Michael Smith, which is a very generic name. So Wow, I, Michael Smith. <laughs> Mike that's Smith. It. Yep. He is the uh, son of Grizzly Smith, who is also the father of Jake Roberts, their half-siblings. And of course, Rock and Robin, yes. as well as Sam Houston's uh, sister. It's a Grizzly Bear dynasty, really. <laughs> Uh, there you go, Quinn. Chris the, the Bear Den. The Bear Den there. Yeah. He came out of that Bear Den, and he uh, went to championship wrestling with Florida in the early 80s, around the age of 20, and then he worked, like we said, for Mid-Atlantic for a couple of years, won the NWA Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Championship in early 86, went over to Central States, went to the Bill Watts UWF, not no, not no, Herb. Well, nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to go there. I don't even there. think he made it till Herb. No, well, like. he didn't. And uh, he actually teamed with another guy, very comparable in my mind, Terry Taylor over in UWF. Wow, talk talk about young and up and coming, the two of them. <laughs> talk about a bland team. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. holy moly. Wonder bread. But anyway, as far as the World Wrestling Federation is concerned, that's Vince McMahon's company, if you right. haven't heard of it. It's, it's the biggie. It's the biggie. He debuted in the spring of 87, and that was when the WWF had started to run the Houston Territory with Paul Bosch. So did they think, oh, this is our ticket to taking over the Houston areas, get Sam Houston. Get it? Because he's named that, right? He's not even like the biggest draw there. He's not the biggest anything. Yeah, he, he never was. <laughs> no, but he did have a couple of appearances down in Houston for the WWF. Uh, he fought one man gang. He helped Ted DiBiase, who was still a face. Wasn't he also at that like show where like Mike McGurk and like 
Pritchard yes. and like all of them are like announcing <laughs> and it Duke. And, and it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. What would you know about rules? I know a lot. I wrote the book. And the first real notable thing he was involved in, and this is just funny to me, is, you know, Ted DiBiase had been a face like very briefly when he first came in. And he turned on Sam Houston to turn heel and thus was born the Million Dollar Man. He turned on Houston. He turned on Houston and Houston. Then he started to wrestle on WWF television towards the end of the year. He was on a lot of house shows and he was always young Sam Houston. The youngster Sam Houston. He always had a cowboy hat and chaps and he would did. do a stupid dance, which everyone most notably remembers at WrestleMania 4 in the Battle Royal, where yes. he, he like hops around <laughs> before it. It's, it's so lame. That must be his biggest pay-per-view appearance, as sad <laughs> as that is the first one eliminated, Just I think. somebody but. in a Battle Royal. Yeah. It's nothing. Sam Houston! Here's my hat. It wasn't like Junkyard Dog laughing at him or something. Everyone. He was just stupid. What's bullshit? So he was a big house show guy. A lot of the televised ones, and that's where Gorilla often would say, "Young Sam Houston," Young. you know, trying to climb the ladder here, all that type of stuff. Uh, he's right? Never going to. Well, nice round of applause for Sam Houston. Yeah, they both like him. What do you mean they both like him? Both people that were applauding. And sometimes he won, but more often than not, as 88 rolled on in 89, he, like, feuded with Danny Davis, which is never good after the Hart Foundation. That's literally, like, a that's like you don't matter. It's like Danny Davis. Like, Danny Davis is in the realm of, like, irrelevant. Like, that's where he lives, like, on the roster. That's where his address is, exactly. He lives in the, I'm waiting to be a ref again. Like, it's, you know what I mean? It's nothing. It's true, though. That's a bad feud. But, like, really, I guess his his biggest uh, appearance was WrestleMania 4 and Survivor Series 88. But he was on the house shows a lot, mainly putting people over, like I said, sometimes winning. He stretched into 89. He stretched into 90. He had about maybe a dozen or so matches in 90. Early 90? Throughout. Oh, wow. So he wasn't even, like, fired until, like, probably almost 1991, right? Well, he actually was in the dark match of the 1991 Royal Rumble. Oh, my goodness. That seems so late for him. Way too late. You want to know who beat him? I'm going to say... Oh, beat him? Beat him in the dark match. Oh, because I was just going to say Brooklyn Brawler or something. (laughs) That's a good guess. You know who beat him? You would never guess this. It's so stupid. Dino Bravo? Is he on Rumble 90? I don't remember. The earthquake. If I got to beat the earthquake. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody very, like, nobody gives a shit about. Oh, it's it's a very... You wouldn't think of him as a singles wrestler. Let me put it this way. Is it like Anvil? It's Jerry Sags. <laughs> even even more. Remember, Nobbs is in the Royal Rumble for some reason, but only Nobbs. Why did they do that? <laughs> like they're, they're trying to like hype up the Nasty Boys, and they like don't even put them together in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Maybe he was replacing Andre or somebody that was booked for it, or Honky. Somebody That's was booked. Really weird. But anyway, the last uh, WWF match for Young Sam Houston took place a little bit later, February seventh, ninety one. February. He was 7th. defeated by the Barbarian. So, that's wow. the end of his WWF tenure. Thrilling. However. So, so he did nothing. He did nothing. He did absolutely nothing the whole time. He just sat around and danced, and he was really up and coming. But he was really going to, he's going to win the WF. Belt. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. But let's see if he did anything in WCW. What? He was there in 91. He did nothing. He was there for a handful of months in, uh, like, April to August or something, 91. Uh, not really. Not anything notable. He did lose to Ric Flair on TV in May. Houston was really making a strong comeback, but the experience of the heavyweight champ took over. 
here's the thing is sam houston coming back to wcw is kind of like he's coming home they did care about him a little bit more over there and then crockett he was actually a thing here's the thing is he would he would be like a guy at like on the beginning of the show and they're like there he is young sam like except tony sang it oh like, young sam houston and, yeah and then he beat some jobber <laughs> that's all like, it was it's, like he's he's really i i can't wait till he uh moves up to the world title it's like what <laughs> so when he left wcw in the summer of 91 he went over to the indies for a while and one of those was the global wrestling federation we know that one which was of course down in houston and dallas area he was okay there he was because again when you're Sam Houston, you can only be in Houston. You can only be in like <laughs> you can only be in Houston. You can only stand out in a place where there's not a Hulk Hogan or a Ric right. Flair or a Randy Savage or, or everyone's just a hundred years old. <laughs> yeah, right. You know. And then guess what? what? You like this one? He went back to WCW in the summer of '93, <laughs> hmm. and he was did, there. Did he last into like '95? Would you say? Well, almost. He was there all the way until September of '94. Wow. Losing to the honky tonk man of all people. <laughs> I was I was hoping you say like stunning Steve Austin no, or no. something. Yeah, although he probably lost to him. <laughs> yeah, down I'm the, sure he uh, did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's a clothesline by stunning Steve, and that'll be all for Sam Houston. So, with that said, let's talk about young Sam Houston here. You know what his problem was? What? Let's forget about like athletic talent, like in ring wrestling. I mean, he, he wasn't just, that good either. He wasn't, but that. he he didn't look like a a star. He just looked like literally a guy that the bigger guys would just beat yeah. up or something. Like he, he never, he didn't have it. No, and I feel like he was only there because he was related to somebody. Like, well, Jake had both of his siblings in the company at the same time. I don't know if that was him or Grizzly called in a favor or yeah, something. I but. wouldn't say Grizzly was anybody in WF <laughs> terms. Like no, they didn't care about him. Like you know what I mean. But, but Jake the Snake sure was a moneymaker for them. True. They, they were going to do whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah, he was well established by 87 when Rock and Robin and Sam Houston came right. in. So maybe that is why. But yeah, he just, he was kind of like, he was tall but thin. He was like gangly. You know, I, he, he I looked, know. Like, looked like Paul Pfeiffer or something, yeah. you know? You know, what's, you know what's really weird? He got even less of a push than Rock and Robin. Like that's not that's pretty sad actually. They're built about the same too. Yeah, Rock and Robin though, like she was they, ladies champion. They cared more. She like, beat Sherry. It's crazy, <laughs> right? Like a whole feud. She got to sing the national anthem, sort of, or whatever. And crown thy good with brotherhood. And yeah, Sam Houston to me in the WWF and even in like nineties WCW, what are you gonna do with that? That's nothing. the only I'm sorry. Nothing. It's just like they never they ha- they could have I mean like they could have had him get beat up really bad sometime and then like get, build up some kind of sympathy and maybe a revenge angle or whatever but, but they just is he worth even, it they didn't even go that far like because well, they had in WWF right they had a better version of him and I'm not being funny in Terry Taylor like Terry Taylor's better better he version, is yeah, better I mean he's a better wrestler he's marginally he more charismatic like, yeah, yeah he is I don't love Terry Taylor but yeah. they had they already had him they had, <laughs> It's not. I wouldn't even say better as much as they're the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just they're they're just like one's the Texas version. And Terry's a little more polished. Let's be let's be honest. A yeah. little bit. I mean, but are you sure it's not just because of his look, like that they make like his slick back hair and like in the coat? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, so he, he has the barnyard though. He does. That's the thing. Sam Houston, Houston only had the the, the Alamo or right. whatever. <laughs> Got to remember that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, what are you going to do with him when you have when we're talking big stars and the two major companies? Like I said. 
Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Ric Flair, Rick Rude, Brutus Beefcake. These are all big time guys. Right? Earthquake. Big I think, people. I think the people that, that they should have lost to is Sam Houston. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, of the, course. Just me saying that. Give him an IC title run. That's all, that's all you need to know is like saying that. Yeah. You're like, well, they're, they're never going to use him, are they? You know how they put the warrior over Honky Tonk Man? No, it should have been Sam Houston. Right. That's that would have gotten like the crowd would have oh, exploded. Yeah. And blah, blah. See, here's the thing is that that only works if like the jobber turns heel and he somehow gets the title and everyone's like fuck this jobber yes like which like honky tonk man practically but yeah. even he wasn't a jobber right i in fact i'm surprised they never did they like imagine if the brooklyn brawler won the intercontinental title <laughs> and like everyone was just like annoyed but he kept like escaping like, you know what i mean like yeah. it's like that <laughs> right no, as far as Sam Houston uh, in the WWF again, the up-and-comer aspect is very funny because he fits that mold perfectly. He's there for like few years, and it's always young Sam Houston. Yeah, the thing is that, it, that really exemplifies is the fact that they actually say the <laughs> words young up-and-comer. Which is great that Quentin, Quentin yeah. brought that up, you know? Right, because that this is exactly the kind of guy I think of. The guy that they they assure you. Every week that he, yes, this is this is it. He's going to make it. You just got to keep watching uh, yep. your WF programming. And one day on uh, WrestleMania 20 million, yep. um, Sam Houston will be the champion. He might get that big win over Buck Zumoff or something. Or right, Reno yeah. Riggins, just, you know, and then just, it could be any win on Superstars. I mean, he might beat fucking Road Warrior Hawk or something. And then like <laughs> na- now he's the best shit. Hawk. Yeah, specifically I, Hawk. But, you know, you got to have a, a breakout win. It can't be like anybody too right. like big or whatever. Hawk. Yeah, uh, and of course, in the vein of a lot of these uh, up and comers that we've talked about, let's get into the personal life real quick. I wanted to mention this because I actually didn't know it until I looked it up. You know who he was married to from eighty six to ninety four? Uh, Mike McGurk. No, <laughs> good, good I, guess. Though. I, it was something like that, wasn't it? Baby doll, baby doll. She's a okay. perfect ten. But I do want to mention here that in August of two thousand five, young Sam Houston was sentenced to ten years in jail for repeated DUI offenses. 10 years you can't have duis uh, yeah but wow They're very that, illegal if i you didn't keep realize doing it was them. that long for that <laughs> he had had a lot of arrests apparently yeah. and that was a uh, so just to follow up on these up-and-comers that still, never came when when was this 2005 so i mean so he'd he's be been out, out, out for if he even years. served all of it yeah. yeah but that's okay i mean i just like to update everyone on what's been going on with them it's, uh, a, it's a hot topic everybody talks about the life of, oh yeah of, he's, he's in all the tabloids <laughs> oh yeah sam houston yeah i mean i there's nothing about him that impressed me ever. No, and that's, other I, than the I'm, dance, you, 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 <laughs> the you cowboy hat dance. The cowboy hat dance at WrestleMania Four is his biggest moment. Period. So is he someone Quinn that we would agree was perfectly utilized in the WWF because there's nothing else to do I with him? I would say he was like, yeah, like like we said, it's like there's nothing you can really do with it, <laughs> right. right? You can't. What do you do with that? Like he would need to be like repackaged. Have to, a gimmick. Yeah, like his gimmick was I'm. A cowboy, but maybe yeah. I'm not sure. And he's built like me, and that's not impressive, you know. Right. Like he's this is the steroid era, and like the larger than life cartoon superhero. And era. the thing is that you can't be built like that and not be like an underdog. And I don't feel like they ever portrayed him as an underdog. They treated him like a blue chipper, yeah, which is like young. the wrong way to do it, right? Yeah. It was like they should have more Ricky Morton style, where he gets his ass kicked the whole time and makes like a big heroic there comeback you go. like that. But they never did that with no. Sam Houston. <laughs> it was just like, oh, look at him. He's he's, he's the next Hulk Hogan. There he is. Like it, When you do that, it's not going to work. And I don't think it did. I think he was a warm body mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, I gave him a little bit of an initial push, but again, once you're fuming with Danny Davis, the writing is on the wall, folks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would just left <laughs> at that point. Because then you could just go to Crockett or 
or Ted Turner, whoever yeah. was running the show back then. And but maybe win the Mason Dixon, you know, heritage title or whatever the hell they have anytime, in WWE. Can I just say anytime in WCW slash NWA you win something with heritage <laughs> at the end of it, it's usually like that means it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> you might as well make a belt out of cardboard and just give it to the person. They would always do the thing where, like, they they take a title that was the top title somewhere and yes. they add heritage <laughs> at the end of it, and they're like, "Hey, we bought it, but now it's the Mid Atlantic Heritage title." <laughs> like what? It's like true. it's so you're mean. It's like winning a world title that isn't a world title <laughs> exactly. anymore. And that sums up Sam Houston perfectly right. in my eyes. So Quentin, thank you very much for the uh, for the suggestion there, folks. You can keep your suggestions coming if you'd like. We have more of these to do. You can do that. Of course, on Twitter at OVP Podcast, where you can also let us know your favorite Sam Houston memories. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> has any. You can email us, of course, or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, there are four names on the board for the best talkers in wrestling, and two more are coming out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It is the Royal Rankings of Talkers in Wrestling, and that'll be coming up right after this. You know, folks, after you've been riding a horse for a while and you're in that hot old Texas sun, there ain't nothing better than getting you a Superstars of Wrestling ice cream bar right here and taking a great big old Texas bite. Hi, folks. Look, I'm happier than a pig in a poke right now. Last week I was out here and I wrestled Danny Davis and I whooped him. He was an undefeated man and I whipped him on TV. I kind of did a hoedown on his behind, if you know what I mean. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope in the future you'll see a lot more Sam Houston. Thank you. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It is Monday, July the 20th, 2020, episode number 185. Quinn, we have Patreon, don't we? Uh, we, we just got it, right? No. <laughs> yeah, we just got no, it. No, it's been around a bit. We've had it for a while, folks, and the whole point of it, like I mentioned earlier, is just if you like OVP, maybe you've been listening a while, maybe you just started, but you like what you hear and you want more of it, you can support us and get a lot of extra content. That's the whole point of this. Content focus. We're not trying to rip you off and take your money for nothing. You know, as they say, content is king. Content is king, Michael. And Controversy you- creates cash. <laughs> and you can go to the kingdom at uh, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. What you're going to get there is a lot of extra stuff. There's only three tiers, two, three, or five dollars. That's all we offer. We don't go above five. Now, five dollars gets you everything. And on that tier, like we mentioned, the pay-per-view reviews, these are long podcasts. These are between two and a half to four hours sometimes. I like to call it long form. Long form reviews. Yes, long form. That's right. We've been going through every WWF pay-per-view in order. Once a month, you get a new one. Gets right delivered to your favorite podcast app. Right now is SummerSlam 90. Coming out next month is Quinn's favorite Survivor Series. <laughs> and oh uh, if you want to get all of our thoughts on them, you can do that. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast on the $5 tier. Now, the $3 tier includes the bi-weekly 1983 live reviews in video and audio form. 
Quinn, that's where we watch WWF Championship Wrestling in order week by week. Yeah, we're experiencing the uh, rise of the WF we like, are. In, in, in real time. In real time. We started in January of 82. Right now, we're in June of 83. The uh, the Morocco snooka feud is starting to heat up. That is true, Michael. Sergeant Slaughter has returned. Tito Santana is there now. A lot of things are getting into the mix there, Michael. Yeah. So it's been fun. Uh, that's on the $3 tier bi-weekly. You get those, a video or audio form. And then on the $2 tier, we still give you stuff. You get the raw video. That's the making of every single weekly episode, including the one you're listening to right now. That's where you get to see our shirts. Oh, yeah. That's very exciting. (laughs) It's very exciting. But not only that, you get anything that happens before the show starts, afterwards, in the breaks, plus a back archive of content, which includes Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extras. There's about a dozen of those. And, of course, the OVP commentaries. There's 30-something of those where we do a commentary on a specific match. I would say, if you like talk about TGIF and shit, that you should watch the live footage, the the raw footage this week. The raw footage in the gaps, you get some bonus content every single week. There's actually, like, fairly lengthy, not as as usual discussion. So if you're you're wondering a good raw footage, this is a good week. This is a good one. And if you're on the three or the five dollar tier, you already have access to that. You know, you get everything for five dollars. Watch it. Just you just flip it on. Yeah, just flip it on. So again, if you want to donate, if you don't, we understand. We appreciate you anyway for listening. But if you've been thinking about it, hop off the fence, head on over to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. If you're going to sign up, do it right now. I will wait. Thank you very much. And Quinn, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. Now, what the heck is that? What, I, I don't know. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Well, folks, I'll tell you what it is. Before the season starts, we ask you, the fans over on Facebook, to give us a list of your top 10 and your bottom 10 of something. And for oh, the- <laughs> uh, oh, now I remember. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, for this season, it was talkers in wrestling. So what happens is Joe Merkel, our chief statistician, he takes all of your votes for the best and worst. He compiles them and puts them in two separate tanks, one for the best. One for the worst. And we alternate each week. So this week is the rankings, which is the best. And there are four names on the board right now. I'll run them down for you. Number one, which is not controversial, is mm-hmm. Ric Flair. Yes. We Rick have to. Ric Flair. Um, he's I been wrestling to. since the dinosaur times. Yes, he has. And he's been talking to. Yes, he has. Number two, though, I think this is very fair, is Hulk Hogan. The Hulkster brother. A little, a little underrated when it comes to how great of a talker he is I sometimes. I mean, he's number two. It's not... It's not too much underration. Well, is there's that, a little underration, but Under, uh, underration. Number three is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, the Very Stone good. Cold. Some people really, really like him. Like, uh, oh, he's excellent. I think he should be like number one. We're gonna have to see how this shakes out. Number four yeah. is The Rock, by the way, who I really like. But again, we kind of distilled it down to he's basically an insult comedian. It, see, <laughs> he's you know good what? I gotta it. say about all four of these guys, any of them could be number one because I, I was talking yes. to somebody actually on the side and they. They were asking, hey, you know, I heard you're doing Royal Rankings Talkers. I didn't get to hear the episodes. Right. And, and uh, you know, who's number one? Or Give me the list, right? right, right. And I listed, and they couldn't believe The Rock was number four well, only. Yeah. It's, it's very tough. This is right. very hot and heavy competition. But by the end of the season, folks, as we scientifically rank them, you are going to have the OVP organic, certified, non-GMO, baptized, ordained, healthy, best and worst talkers of all time. So I think without any further ado here, we need to go down to Howard Finkel, and we have to make it official. He's got to think. Do it. Tell us. Do it, Fink. Let's go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. Double A's on the scene now, baby. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. You do 
the athlete of the day supposed to look? Wallowing in the muck of Everest. It is the Royal Rankings week number three. It's getting crowded, Michael. We got four on the board and two more coming out this week. I feel it was crowded after only two. <laughs> yeah. like, this, this is a ridiculous one. This is really tough because obviously, folks, everyone on the board now, like we said, could conceivably be number one in people's eyes. It's true. It really is. There's that, not a bad one on here. No. And that might be true for the entire list for all we know. So it is our job as the official OVP scientists here to get our lab coats on. To put this under the microscope, to get out the Petri dish and mm-hmm. other science-related uh, things. Microscopes. Microscopes, yes. And to rank them. So, like we said, it's Flair, Hogan, Austin, Rock. But there's two more coming out. Mm-hmm. How could? How are we going to do this? I don't know. We're really going to have to use the scientific method now. We're really going to have We're to. Gonna, back to the textbook uh, <laughs> yep. method. The way we were trained, folks. But you want to find out who drew yeah, number five? Are you ready? Let's, like, bring them on out. Bring them on out. Get on down here. Get on. Let's find out who drew number five. I'm going to show you exactly why I'm Roddy Piper and you're not. Well, it's Roddy Piper, so this just got even harder. Rodney the Piper. Rodney the is. Piper. Jeez. Now, whatever you think of him on commentary, we're not Different talking thing. about. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a separate horrible. issue. We listened to that on SummerSlam 90 review. We did. Roddy Piper is, without a doubt, one of the all-time best talkers. That's why he's on this list. He's one of the, like, as far as WF's concerned, he's one of the first guys they brought in just basically to talk. Like, remember when yes. he first came in? He, he would, just, would just wear the kilt with, like, the dress shirt and the socks. <laughs> it's like, really- And, like, not even, like, ever wrestle. So what to do, first of all, is keep them nasty, greasy, little grimy hands off my man. You keep them off me. You think because you people sit around working gas stations with nasty stuff on your he managed uh, Paul Orndorff, right? And he managed Doctor D for a while, right? And yeah, he was brought in as a talker. Now he had been a good talker previously in the NWA, right? But he had also, of course, been a wrestler, been a wrestler for a long time. But I would say he like took off into the stratosphere when he came to WF. Like he, he became did. like he became like a face of the company to like the outside world because of his talking. Well, I mean, he was so successful at it that they kicked off Victory Magazine uh, show. What a run Victory Magazine had. And we had the pioneering Piper's Pit, which I mean was the first heel that I know of in WWF anyway, the first heel hosted interview segment. Right. So it kind of like they had Roger's Corner before as we're seeing now, which was actually like good. It's okay. There's development on there and stuff. Yeah, so like I feel like Victory Magazine was just kind of like an interlude. It was like for a couple weeks until they figured out like, okay, we're going to have Roddy Piper do this. It was a stopgap maybe, right? But Piper was so great in this role because even though he would primarily do the talking, let's say he was interviewing, obviously we know the Jimmy Snooker one, but it could be any face, right? He would get that person over by either building sympathy or setting himself up to get attacked. He did it with Andre. He did it with a lot of different people. You see the name? It says Piper's Pit. You come out here flexing your muscles. Doesn't entertain me a bit. Doesn't psych me out a bit. Doesn't do nothing. One thing about Piper in the 80s as a talker is he's so damn rapid fire and quick and right. funny. It's interesting because it, it's it's not the typical like talk show thing because here you have like kind of a crazy person. Yeah, he's like, insane. He, he's not rational. No. Uh, like he, like the Rogers Corner setup was that here's this like respected. He can talk pretty like coherently. F- first champion. First champion. Gentleman. It's like, 
you know, much older guy. So Couple of bourbons no, in him. There's no risk of him trying to like punch somebody no. or anything. Just welcome Rogers Corner, Don right. Morocco. What do you think? Yeah, you know that type of you thing. You want some rum? <laughs> like you know, like, <laughs> yo ho ho. Yeah. But then Piper comes in and changes the game completely. Right. Now there's this this odd threat that the interviewer might beat the shit out of you. And he does sometimes, yeah. right? With Snooker, with Frankie Williams, notably. So, so I mean, the, there's the Frankie Williams, but Frankie Williams is like, Frank, who gives a shit? He's a huge jobber. Yes, he is. But, like, Jimmy Snooker was like, wait a second, like, this Piper guy, he's actually, like, a threat. He, right. like, knocked Jimmy Snooker out. Right. With a know? coconut. And Snooker was already over, but let's not mince words here. That segment and the Piper feud, Piper got Snooka more over by talking. Yeah. And that's a hallmark of a great talker. And the thing is, Snooka, like you said, he was already he over. Was over. I mean, this lit up a feud here, too. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this this really set something up between the interviewer guy. Correct. You know, which was, like, different. The fact Absolutely. that, like, I really can't stress enough how the fact that the, the guy interviewing people at, you know, any minute could have a match yeah. was like kind of insane it was insane and it was emulated for many years to come with the body yeah. shop with the snake pit with with a lot of different the shows thing is, is none of them had the like there's something different about piper's pit right of course it's like they all just tried to be that and they never could because they were I missing really, something i think what they were missing is just piper, piper. That, that insanity <laughs> yes, like it's they, like right it's like it's that unpredictability that yes. really made him a more interesting talker than most. And I got to tell you, Quinn, let's talk about the Hulk Hogan feud and the rock and wrestling thing. Right. Hulk Hogan to that point, and most of the time going forward, mainly feuded with people that had some kind of legitimate shot at beating him, whether it was a big fat guy mm-hmm. like an Andre the Giant or a one man gang, right? In theory, could defeat him. Or a, a, like a strong person, like a Paul Orndorff or a Randy Savage, like a ruthless Somebody person. Somebody skilled like right. Randy Savage. Yeah. Piper built this feud on his end simply by talking because he's not a physical threat no, to, no, Hulk, no. He, to Hulk Hogan. He isn't, but it's interesting that Piper, just being a talker, he was able to build a feud that was seemingly like... It was like the top feud in the company, and it always was like lingering, too, forever, because it never got settled. Let's just face facts. I am the new world's heavyweight champion. Whether you want it or not, you got no choice. I like that they left it like ambiguous at the end like that. It was always this thing. Hogan never got the clean win on him. Right. And that exactly. didn't hurt Hogan, obviously. No, no. <laughs> he was it also, fine. It made Piper forever kind of like a, a lingering something like, you well, know what I mean? I and mean, to the point where like they were able to turn him face and shit. Like, yeah. And, and they parlayed the Hogan Piper feud in WCW. Right. Like, yeah. You never beat me and all that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that was bad because they yes, were, it they, was bad. The problem with Piper was too old by then. So it didn't like yeah. make any sense that he would like still be fighting Hulk Hogan. True. You know, now let's talk about Piper, the talker in general. Now outside of the feuds with Hogan, at, stylistically, there had been no one like him that I know of up no. to that point. And I'm talking previous to WWF even when he was down in Georgia and stuff like that. And he was a heel down there and then he was an announcer and stuff. He was just a rapid fire machine gun style. He came up with these clever lines and things. Right. He was just, yeah. he just hit hard the way he talked. He always seemed like he was on edge. Oh, that, yeah. I think the threat is like you, you say he's not really a threat, but the threat is the unpredictability. It's like that no wrestler could wrap their skill around because you know you know he could have you in a headlock and then all of a sudden kick you in the face right like, you know but for no reason other than because he just felt like it for that, right. that second 
And what's great about that is he got himself over on the mic first and then parlayed that into the ring. Mm-hmm. He didn't get over because he was a great wrestler in the ring. or no. great, He got over first on the mic, the trash talk, and then the heat was, okay, let's see if he can back it up. And many times he'd find a way to get his ass out of there right. or weasel away out of something. And, and the it was thing just was, genius. That's kind of cool about him, too, is that when he had to wrestle, I mean, we saw... I mean, it took a while, but like the, by the time he got to like Bret Hart in a real wrestling match, it's like actually he's not that he bad. Can. Why wasn't he doing this all along? Didn't like, need you know, to. You know what I mean? It's yep. just really weird. Like he could have like a technical match, right? Now I would say that something was lost forever once he came back in '89. He wasn't ever quite the same. He was still good, but I don't know that his '89, you know, to '92 WWF stuff on the mic is nearly as good. I don't think it's as much Piper as it as much as it is like the like. Disneyification of him or what? Possibly. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's, like, it's like they made him like fucking Mickey Santa Mouse Claus or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know like what the fuck. Like it's just very kid friendly. It was. Although I gotta say the we've talked about this before. The Rick Rude feud on primetime in the summer right. of '89. Piper's excellent on the mic. Well, in it's because it's the only time they let him get like serious. Yeah. It's kind of frustrating because it, it always felt like when he came back that it wasn't that he couldn't do what he could do. He just it was wasn't that they wouldn't to, let him yeah. do what he could do. Right, because it was a face and it was a different era. Yeah, right. I mean, you're right. And also, of course, we'd be remiss not to mention the WrestleMania 8 promo with Bret Hart, just because it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put it together sandwiches. Yeah, only yeah. one piece of bologna. You yeah, know? Yeah. Change your potty pants! The potty pants, yes. So he was always entertaining, but I I do think that the peak Piper in the WWF is like 84 right. to 86, but 87. No- Notice again when you said the Bret Hart interview, yeah. he was like sort of a heel there. He was leaning heel, yes. That's what I mean. It's like he needed to be heel again. Because that's his style. Right. It just works better if you're going to be insulting and all this stuff. It's better if you're a heel. Right. It just makes more sense. But he was so damn entertaining no matter what, especially in the 80s, that he is one of the best talkers. And all the heat that his feuds had were built around the microphone. They were they were always yeah. built around something he said or reacted to. Right. I mean, let's, let's not forget he, in the late 80s when he did come back. He spent most of his time feuding with like Bobby on primetime. Yeah, he did. You know, like two years or something. Like <laughs> yeah, it was like ridiculous. Time. Like, and he was instrumental in getting Virgil over his face a little bit too. Come I mean, on, Virgil. He was instrumental in that. I mean, whether you like it or not, he he, he convinced he us that Virgil had potential. <laughs> like. He, he never convinced us really that Virgil was any good. No, but you know, it's, it's true though. Like he's like, I've been training with him or whatever. Right now, I don't like though. His later stuff, his 96, even 94 in that feud with King. What about Goldust? It was okay, but like when he just starts rambling on and it's he's just aggravating by the end of the 90s. Like his WCW stuff. Remember when he's like, I'm going to beat the NWO and I'm going to bring out John Penta and all these jobbers here and they're going to help me beat them. You know what I I, I have to say, though, I think his like 94, 93, like. Whatever that look he has going on, I feel like he looks kind of cool. He looks and, good in '94. I'm very, yes. I'm always surprised they never like capitalized because he had this really cool, like edgy look before like everyone else had that. Like he with the good. Like, with like the with the leather coat, but like he had like the bowl cut thing. <laughs> but he kind of looked like a badass. Bowl cut. And I don't know like why this character seemed like different than the usual Piper. He seemed like edgy or something, like, rather than like wacky and crazy. I'll give you that. '94 Piper was unique to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't like his WCW stuff at the end of the 90s. I just no, do no, not. No, no, no. It's poor. Well, it's, it's be- rambly and it's senile. Here's it's the thing bad. that I really want to say that really messed him up in WCW is that they did this like his legs fucked up angle for like 
forever. Because he had an artificial hip, so, yeah. And what that did is it took the threat of Piper, like, he couldn't back up his talking anymore, so he just seemed like, what is this old man that's, like, his legs <laughs> messed up and he can't wrestle? Like, who cares? Like, if he's gonna talk shit. I'm just saying, like, that's what took it away from me, because it's like, he couldn't back up his talking anymore. Right, no, I like, understand, and, and Quinn. It, it just kind of takes the, the venom out of what he's saying, you know? Good point. Stylistically, though, uh, Piper is one of the most unique talkers, and I think that's gonna earn him a lot of points here in the rankings, and I also think the fact that he was able to have such hot feuds with Snooka and as part of the rock and wrestling right. connection. I mean, every hero needs a villain and Hulk Hogan had an ultimate villain in Roddy Piper in 1985. Yeah. And I think those are some of the things that are really going to give him a good shot yes. in this list. Do you have anything more on Piper before we move on to number six? Um, no, I, I think we've said what we've said about him. And I, I do think he's a very like, He's very worthy of this list. And Absolutely. It'd be interesting to actually see where he ends up. Exactly. That's the thing is this is this is very difficult, folks, because right. we've got a lot of good names here. And with Piper on the board, we now have five, but we have another one coming. So why don't we find out now who drew number six? I could take all the candy and pour it on your head right now. But I ain't good. I'm going to pour it over mine because I ain't got no dignity. No, I don't. This is going to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> Randy Savage. Jeez. Oh it's like the hits keep coming. It's ridiculous. Like the, <sighs> Randy man. Savage is like one of my favorites. Oh, overall. Now, yeah. I will say it's interesting that he came up with Piper because he's it's the same crazy, yep. energetic, like yep. kind of like on edge style. Yep. Now, Savage was insane all the way back down in Memphis. Like, right, he was yeah. always this. Well, I think it's because of his, like, cadence and the way he speaks. The it's voice, like, everything. How do you convince people that that's a, that's a sane person? Right. Like, you, you know can't. what I mean? Like, it's so they just, you know, fuck it, he's crazy. You're a big-time big guy, yeah. But in comparison to the Macho King, you're not even one grain of sand in the Sahara Desert. Despite being like somewhat known as being like Mr. Friendly Easter Bunny Slim Jim Man in the mid nineties, right. that's only a very small portion of this guy's talking ability. I and mean, he had so many characters that, yes. he, that he that he adapted that Macho Man to. Right. You know what I mean? And one of the best things about Savage, just quick off the bat, that I think of when I think of Randy Savage is his variation in volume. How sometimes he'll be talking like this, you know? Right. He'll just, yeah. There's just something magnetic about that, engaging about that style. That might make you a little bit upset. That might make you a little bit over the edge. That might make you a little bit insane, if you know what I mean. You're right. He's got one of those styles that when you watch a promo, you kind of go in this like trance watching it. Yeah. He kind of he has this way of like sucking you in, and you're wondering what is he actually gonna say next, or what does he mean? What, what he, he said? Like you know what I mean? Like what is he actually like? suggesting I, I don't know because right. he, it's like he talks in metaphors a lot and he and, does and you're like what who what does he talk what does he mean but you he's know? coherent at the same time he's right, not just yeah. saying gibberish right it's it's he's very unique too and like i said folks he was like that even before the wwf yeah in, in memphis he's like they have some great promos down there i still have the attitude and the gut but when he comes into WWF in 85, one of the great things is now we have a new guy, right, who is unproven in the WWF. 
Right. In June of 85, he brings in Elizabeth and all that. We know that. That's another unique <laughs> aspect is that right? instead of bringing in a manager that would talk for him, he brought in one that would just be like eye candy and yes. stand next to him and make him look better. <laughs> it's so it's so true. Yeah. And what is the first, who is the first person he calls out, Quinn? Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Immediately. That's, one of my favorite parts is just how, like, he doesn't give a shit. Like, he believe his character from day one to the end yep. believes that he is the best wrestler in the world yep. and nobody can beat him. Right. But the great thing is, is that the reason that got heat is because he kept saying it and kept cutting the promo. He, all he was doing to start was beating jobbers. Right. Another part also with that is that he was having feuds with like other people, yeah. but he would, a lot of times he would like end them with being like, oh, and after that Hulk Hogan, I'll come <laughs> oh, for you. Like yes. always, like he just is like, I, this is just like a pit stop. I'm really coming after Hulk Hogan. Like it never ended. <laughs> Even folks in 87, and this is real, after losing the IC title to Ricky Steamboat, but before he turned face, right? Mm-hmm. Like the spring of 87, he's like, oh, I don't need the Intercontinental title anymore. Hulk Hogan, I'm going to get yeah. the world. Like, still. He doesn't, he he only has his eyes on the prize, right? Yes. Like, that the number. who's the number one guy in the promotion? Yep. I'm going after him. And then when he was the IC champion, he's like, no, this is better than Hulk Hogan. Right. <laughs> like, it's, but it's still Hulk Hogan, yes. right? So, he's yeah. like obsessed with him. And a lot of that you get out of the promos that he gave. This guy was a fucking maniac right, on the mic. Yeah. He was, you never knew. It's a savage, if you will. He was a savage. You never knew what the hell he was going to say or where he was going. When he was the Intercontinental Champion, he's incredibly funny with Mean Gene. He's got very memorable promos that people, like, will never forget. Yeah, 90,000 plus people watching right there. And this is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's cup of coffee in the big time. Yeah. The one at WrestleMania 3 where he's like, I am the Lord and Master yeah. of the Ring. Like, History beckons the history, Macho Man. Like that, everything in that thing is amazing. Yep. And it like always gives me goosebumps like when it like fades out and like Ricky Steamboat's music is playing oh, or whatever. It's so good, right? Like, it, it's like very amazing. And you know what else he's really good at is anytime Elizabeth has been wronged in some way, whether it's uh, with the Honky Tonk in 87, 88, right. or... Obviously, the Jake Roberts feud in ninety one, ninety two. There's also the um the after he beats Ric Flair at eight, and oh Liz was like he was just fucking like so mad that even Ric Flair would even like suggest putting like a naked picture of her up. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just like he when he like we always say this is for you, but kind of making fun of it. But it's actually like really intense. Like yeah. he, like this idea that like the Macho Man who's been so hyper focused on being the best. Yep. The fact that he just kind of like throws the belt down. Gives it and to he's Liz. Like, this is not about this like it's like you've fucked with my girl like you know what i mean like it's like i don't i took the title from you just to piss you off like you know what i mean like secondary that's secondary or the one with uh after jake slaps liz a tuesday in texas and savage is back there and he like falls on the floor because he's so mad yeah yeah he's it's so good the greatest elizabeth the greatest elizabeth you understand that the greatest elizabeth snake degraded her yeah and i'll never forgive myself it's the worst day of my life he had emotional depth, as crazy as he could be, and goofy with the tower of power and the it, thing and the thing, but, it, like, really. It takes a talent, really, to take a character that is a crazy person and add, like, like you care about him in real life or something. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, usually, like, a crazy person in society, everyone's like, oh, he's just crazy or whatever, right? They kind right. of just, you know, that's like, but he took this character... And he made it like, no, I care about like Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth and right. like what happens to them. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like legitimately care. You care. You felt bad for him if something was happening. Right. Or you were happy for him when something good Even happened. Even though he'd done like horrible right. shit before. Like the whole like 
it's kind of like his like you know how like John Lennon talks about that like wild weekend, but it was like two years or yeah, something. The lost weekend, the right. lost weekend or whatever. With it's May like Pang. that's like what Savage is like. Sherry Spurt yes! is. It's, it's the Savage lost weekend. It is. Like, it's like the same length of time. Yeah, it's, it's like real. a year and a half. And yeah, but and that's like his surreal era with Sherry. And he's highly entertaining. It during actually that. like it lines up with that. Like it's almost like as if they were like that's what they were kind of going for it's like because he just becomes like really off the wall like like cauldrons and like yeah, it's I'm, insane. I'm, I'm a king he's delusional yeah like uh, he he's just in a fever dream it's for a- like two years and he's it's like literally like losing liz drove him off a cliff and then you he know reunites I mean? with her and everything's kind of back to the normal right is she the yoko ono then that broke up the mega powers is that what you're trying to say sherry's yoko ono no elizabeth no well <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I mean, Hogan was all, you so, know. And Sherry's Ming Lee or whatever. <laughs> May Pang. May Pang. <laughs> yes. But anyway, uh, Savage, yeah, I mean, he, he had great promos up to 92. As we know, he didn't wrestle as much in 93, but, and this is a bit of a hidden gem, and I've seen it several times, that crush feud, as dumpy as that match was. I hate it so much. Dump. Yeah. Savage's promos throughout that feud are awesome, especially the one right before WrestleMania. It's like a sit-down with Vince, and he's very serious. You'll hear a clip of it in a second to refresh your memory. I should be the guy at WrestleMania 10 going against Lex Luger, going against the hitman Bret Hart. And let me tell you something, at the risk of being conceited or egotistical, I would have beat Lex Luger, and I would have beat the hitman Bret Hart, just like I beat Yokozuna. But somebody shattered my dream. Somebody close to me, yeah. And that is Crush. He was always a good talker. WCW, though? and eh. eh. Well, eh. so here's the problem with the WCW. Um, the WCW. Yes, the WCW. He, first of all, when he came in, they kind of were, what they were going for, it felt like, was like, that thing with Ric Flair really worked in WF. Yes. And they were like, what if we put them together? But the problem was is that it's not that WCW did it badly. It's that WCW did it too long. It yeah, they, overstayed its welcome. That's the only thing. Yeah, they invested a lot of time into it, but I too think much the, time. I think it's actually like a great extension of the feud. It's just it just went on too long. It that's went on really way too long. it's not like a WCW being shitty thing. It's like a WCW just like over yeah. investing into it. Good point. Yeah, I quite like the Flair Savage feud in WCW. It's, it's not actually ba- very good. It's not bad. And it, it's I like the next step of like, well, what if Liz actually joined Ric Flair? Right. Like, I like b- being able to explore that. Yeah. It, it was interesting. It was well done. What I don't like about Savage and WCW is that period of time in 95 where he has assumed the role of Brutus Beefcake to Hulk Hogan. Right. And he's like Mr. Ass Sniff to Hulk Hogan. That I don't but, like that. See, Savage is such a mixed bag in WCW because there is some good. Like, I like the whole thing. I know we always say the DDP thing, but that's all part of the greater, that's like... Later. This is all part of the greater, like, Savage in the NWO thing, which I think gets overlooked a bit because he's brought into the NWO in kind of like a dynamic fashion of, like, almost reluctantly, like, if I can't beat him, join him. But also, Kinda. it's like, in you, they would always suggest that Savage wants to take control and that he can if he wants to. And he still doesn't quite trust Hulk Hogan or anything. He's right. reluctantly there. He's reluctantly there, but the thing is Savage is so strong in kayfabe uh-huh. that there's this suggestion that if he wanted to overthrow Hogan, he could. He might be able to. Yeah. Right. You know what Good I mean? Point. Uh, I will say that his NWO stuff when he's feuding with DDP is probably his best Mike stuff in WCW. Right. And actually, that's enhanced by the... um. 
the out of nowhere like rejoining of Liz and Savage again. Yes, when she is and, now with but, him. But they actually let Liz be heelish like she was when she first joined him back in the in like, for a couple weeks or whatever. <laughs> like, but it's great because they like they're like, well, DDP has Kimberly, so let's make Liz evil. Yep. And it's like this weird like snarky Liz. Yeah. Like, and it, but like with Savage, they're both kind of great together they're during awesome that period. During that. And like, yeah. as far as the talking center, the promos are good. Everything's yep. good. There's this. They don't make Liz look talk dumb or anything. Yeah, like, she's they just, actually good. They they just kind of like. Like the talking there just really kind of works. And I it's, agree. It's a good feud. And that's probably the end of his really good work. Because, I mean, he's in and out in 98. He was right. injured. And I then mean, in- what up, Mach? Eh. Here's the thing is I... I he's still there, Randy there's, Savage. There's two, there's two things about this character that are weird. It's like, like you said, he's like the original Savage. But it's also this reinvention. Yeah. And, and I don't know... It just feels like Savage was like incompatible with that late 90s kind of thing. It's like they were trying to make him kind of... Like weird, edgy '90s update him a little Savage edition. Yeah, no more cowboy hat. But it's like that's Savage was fucking ahead of his time when he started. So it's like this. It doesn't make sense to reinvent the character in that way. It's almost like yeah, instead of letting him just be innovative in his own way, they tried to bring the '90s aesthetic to him, and it didn't work that well. Right, surrounding him with multiple women, right, like and and just kind of. Making him like his slick back hair, and he would always wear black. Yeah, like, you know, it, mesh shirts. It's weird. In one sense, it did like for whatever reason he didn't look as old anymore. Yeah, it stood and it stood out too. Yeah, you know what I mean? Out. It helped a little, but and I, I do like. I mean, it it does make sense that Savage would have three women for some reason that fits him, right? You know what I mean? And yeah. that they're all like they represent something. <laughs> yeah. Like they're, you got the crazy one in Medusa. Yep. You got the like the classy one, the, the classy in one in Mona, Miss Mona, Madness, yep. Madness, and of course the hot one, like the trophy, She's the just prize. Kind of, yeah, the prize. Gorgeous in, in George. Gorgeous George. Yeah, exactly. Gorgeous George. Like it's all the things that Savage likes in women. <laughs> yeah, all like combined. He's got all three. Uh, but that's the end of him as an active wrestler for the most part as a talker. Overall, let's talk just generalization on Savage. I think that much like Piper, mm-hmm. very unique. Mm-hmm. There was nobody like Randy Savage on the yeah. mic. Yeah. He, and again, I think his variance in uh, cadence and in volume and you never quite knew what he was going to say really was awesome. They're similar in a way because they're both crazy, though. They are both have an unhinged aspect. Yep. Yeah, which, which I don't know any of these characters other than maybe Rick. Rick Flair's done everything, but yeah, yeah it's like Rick Flair's the only one that can also do that but yeah yeah well austin sometimes yeah you're right uh, and i think that this is going to be a tough rank here quinn uh do you have anything more on savage before we go to ranking time no i got nothing else i think he's a great talker let's run him down for you folks number one again rick flair two hulk hogan three steve austin four is the rock roddy piper quinn start him with the rock yeah i mean there's only four right yeah so. now they have a lot in common they were both very uh insult comedians as i like to say yep both kind of about focus more on comedy most of their career. Yep. Both got over uh, as much as they did by talking. Obviously. Right. I mean, yeah. The Rock wasn't a standout in the ring before. You know, he became a great talker. But The Rock also became a great wrestler. Piper always was, but he never he didn't showed have it. to. Yeah, he never brought it out. It's the same thing as Hulk Hogan. Yeah, if the, you don't have to, work safe. The and proof don't. is in the when he finally gets a match where he's actually got to wrestle, he's good. Yeah, and he clearly understood ring psychology and things right, like that. Yeah. He knew how to draw reactions out of a crowd. Piper was, um, I don't know if I want to say he was more innovative than The Rock, but he probably was. He was 100%. Right? He's a pioneer. Like that, He was, right? This is where, this is the first time we're entering, like, 
not great levels, but like pioneering character levels. Right. Like, you know, where it's kind of like there's a different aspect to this. We got through like the main people who are like known as like the greats. But like now we're into the like, okay, these guys specialized in different aspects and were, were different. Right. I think the thing that Piper has an advantage over The Rock in is that while The Rock is an excellent, captivating, magnetic talker, mm-hmm. he absolutely is, Piper was more, had more of an emotional gamut to run. Right. And he could go between lunacy, but also coherency. He could get you really, really mad yeah. or make you laugh. I think what Piper stand out to me is that he took basically talking and he took it to the main event and he took it to like transcending wrestling into the rock and wrestling i mean do you know of any other wrestling talker that had like some weird cindy lopper fucking thing That's like a good you know point. like into the mainstream it's like i mean the rock you can say became a movie star yes but, he did but based on his charisma and ability but yeah piper was doing just the roddy piper thing changing nothing and just taking that into the mainstream on mtv and stuff like that and it was very popular People, like, knew who he was. Absolutely. And like we said earlier, every good hero needs a villain. Right. And Piper was the villain for Hulk Hogan throughout 1985. He really is is the villain that also, because it was Hulk at his height. Really, like, 85 is, like, when the Hulkster was, like, from the mainstream perspective, everyone knew who he was. Yep. And Piper benefited from being his enemy at that time. He became, like, (laughs) you know, when you think rivalries in sports there's red Sox and the yankees yeah but th- but they actually got to the point where like in mainstream culture like oh in wrestling it's hulk hogan versus roddy piper yeah for that like, year that was that's what it was right uh, i would also argue that hogan benefited from piper right i mean really the whole company benefited from piper this right. whole era benefited from piper then again the attitude era particularly 99 and 2000 without austin benefited from the rock Let's the, be fair there. I think the the one thing that Piper can outclass the rock here is that Piper likes innovated. He started something. It kind of gives him the little bit of an edge. Yes, and I also think that I think where he also gets an edge, I think I mentioned it, is that he has more depth, I think. Right. As a talk. I just I do. I think he's more convincing than the rock. I think the rock is great. I mean the rock could the rock could when it would came time to get emotional and you know, he backed the rock into a corner kind of thing. He could, yes, he could, for some reason, like one thing I, sometimes the rock can do is he can kind of inspire you to fight back kind of thing. Like this weird, like he uses the rock character right. to kind of be like, you know, when you're back into a corner and you got to, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing. Like the, if you smell what the, he'll still do his thing, but it's kind of like, he can do it, but it's not like as associated with no. him. It's usually like, and I think that has to do with years and years of like after he left in 2003. Yeah. It's like he basically for decades, he would come back like now two decades. Yes, he would come back and just, he would be like goofy, like 98 rock yeah. and not later, like more in depth rock. True. I also think Piper is better at conveying anger. The Rock always seemed at Piper's most like one hundred percent better. Yeah, at it. The, the Rock always seems at most like mildly annoyed at something that happened to him. Piper, you believe the anger? Well, um, because the Rock character is also portrayed as like weirdly like untouchable in the ring. Yeah, and I like, think he, that that's he, part of his de- detriment to him. Right, it's like it's hard to threaten him because he yeah. just he's unbeatable. Whereas the Piper only, is threatenable. Right, his only equal is like Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so we'll put Piper above the rock. Yeah. What do we do with Austin? 
gut um, instinct. Mm, I feel like Austin kind of ascended Piper. You do? Okay, see, I think a lot of people think Piper is one of the best talkers of I all time. I think they do, but I think the thing is... But I think that's a knee-jerk reaction. Austin just always had me at, like, he seemed believable for some reason. Like, his angst seemed kind of, like, right, and, like, just, it was so well done that I just, I found him to be such a relatable character for some reason. And for a lot of people in that time, he really was, like... He was that relatable, like, oh, my boss, you know, like, I can't yeah. stand my boss. And the way he acts, that's what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think that his late 96 throughout 97, he is one of the best talkers ever yeah, during the, that period. The problem always with Piper for me is that he's so off the wall that while it's fun to have that off the wall character, there's also like a lack of connection there. I agree. For, with the audience. Yes, I do. So even though he has some emotional depth and breadth, there's less relatability with a Roddy Piper, I think, than a Steve Austin. Right. Piper's that guy in your, like, fantasy world in your head that it's like, oh, well, we got to have a crazy guy, right? Like, and he's great it, but, at it. But I don't know really what being a crazy guy is like, you know? Right. But, I, but I want that in, the, in, in my fantasy world that I'm watching people fight in. Like, I want a guy that's unpredictable right. in there to give up my heroes... Right. A, a kind of like what do they do about how do they handle how this? do they handle this guy right yeah i yeah. will say this quinn although austin you know the what chant and all that blah blah i think that gets such a bad rap because in in essence austin wasn't doing that for more than six months it it's, wasn't it's that the, long that he did it that like, i know kept it going. the fans keep doing it. but what i was going to say is piper dropped off a hell of a lot worse than austin ever did with talking that's true hey idiots deluxe what the hell is going on in the background? A Three Stooges short? And if so, it better be a Shemp. Shemp is fucking underrated. Seriously, he is. Anyway, wanna maybe keep the damn background noise down, you dopey dicks? When we're talking about Roddy Piper the Good Talker, we're mainly talking about the 80s and not even like when he returned in 89. He was still he was still good, but that's it. Yeah, that's it. He's not Piper didn't have really that long good. of a run. No. Well, I mean, but he left such a mark. I know, too. like he really did, and he was very innovative. But I can't get put him over Austin. You can, huh? It's just it. I really? just I always felt connected to the Austin character. Like I always felt like as crazy and wild as it got. Again, I always say this is like I really feel that like I know that Austin's grounded in just trying to be the best wrestler. Like, and right. I don't know why that like it always puts him ahead of a lot of people for me it's just this consistency and kind of well he, he's good at that let's compare their impact real quick piper like we mentioned everything with hogan in the 85 and the rock and wrestling connection obviously that piper was tremendous in that but austin is a guy that really was very instrumental because of his character on the microphone of uh propelling the attitude era getting more eyes on the wbf having a phenomenal feud with bret hart right that was really a big part of it and then the mcmahon feud and that was all based on the mic and character work. And his feud with The Rock also was a mainstay of the era. It was, yeah, an on-off like mainstay yeah. all the way until 03, technically. Yeah, until basically the end. Like Those yeah. are his three things. It's McMahon, Rock, and Bret Hart. And Bret Hart. Which was tremendous. Yeah. I mean, really one of the, uh, acclaimed as one of the greatest feuds of all time. Right. Mic work, though. That's why. So, I can... I'm talking impact. I mean, Piper had that rock and wrestling. Austin had the yeah. attitude era. Yeah, and I'm, became one of the highest sellers of merch of all time and all say, these things. Roddy Piper, in a weird way, is a specialist as far as talking. He's very good at his specialty. But Austin could convey that crazy 
Austin can yes, like he was and, funny too. And, and Austin's crazy is a different kind of crazy. It's a like it's a rage. Yeah, like and and that's it's like a blind rage. It's like a blind rage and a and a disrespect for authority and not to, just not to be like cliche with the authority stuff, but it's just kind of like when he did it, it felt new. You didn't see characters in the new gen era really no rebelling like this and 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 saying that i don't care about your rules it's like right you know what i mean like and it just endeared him to the audience that was watching it did and it was like very refreshing and very different yeah that new gen era in a weird way it's like nobody says this but it was like very strict in the rules they were very like all about legacy very rules sterile. and stuff and still had a lot of stuff from like the Honey era of like yeah and it just he, we really needed an austin style character and that's what he did for me talking so you want to put him above piper huh i think so you think he's just overall success notwithstanding who would you rather listen to and and build because i mean they're both good at it yeah. I'd, I'd probably rather listen to austin i agree i, I think it comes down to that i mean right. i think piper's great successful yeah. no doubt about it and number four is nothing to sneeze at I think, you know I think I mean? Piper will stay pretty high to be yeah. quite honest with you. He's tremendous, but I think I agree with you. Austin has a certain something I can never quite put my finger on, but there is something about Steve Austin as a talker that uh, I, I'm okay with leaving him as number three if you want to. Look at it Look at it this way. Yeah. When Piper talks, there's sometimes where you don't listen to him because he's just so incomprehensible. He's rambling, but, yes. But when Steve Austin speaks ever... Like you, you never yeah. don't like want to watch all of it and listen right. to it. I think that's that's a good way to put it. Piper's drop off is noticeable it's once not he comes even, back. It's, not, in it's just the limitation of the character. Okay, it's like if you're if you're if you're portraying a crazy person, I'm not going to listen to all the ramblings of a maniac. Good point. You know yeah, what I mean? you're right. Like, you know what I mean? Okay, so let's leave uh, let's leave Piper at four, which I still think is a great spot. I mean, the top four is the Rushmore, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, that nothing to sneeze at. But and now- I, I think, like we said, it's the edge over the rock is the is the innovation, innovation, and I think that. Uh, Piper was just more convincing than The Rock. I think Rock is funny. Yeah. Rock is the Don Rickles. Okay, fine, yeah. whatever. But I think Piper's better. Yeah. Okay, let's bring in Savage now. Is he better than The Rock? Without a doubt. Okay. <laughs> Randy Savage. Like- he just is right. Yeah. Is that one of those things where he just is? What I'm starting to see the trend with The Rock also is that it really hurts him that he left wrestling so early. Like he didn't have a ch- we I think we said this as he didn't yeah. have a chance to like to do more. change anything. To do more. Yeah. He's just frozen in time. As Even the, when he comes back now he's still that he's whatever just, that is. You're right like, though. He's just frozen in time as this like doofus in a way where he just thinks he's hot poo yeah. whether he's a face or a heel and he makes fun of people. That's all he is. Yeah. It's really frustrating because he because he really is good at talking. And it's could, tremendous. You could totally see if he was around longer that he could have like developed. To, they could have been so many. They could have went so many different directions with it. Okay, and it's just stunted at that O three. It's just like stuck there. <laughs> You're right. You know. Okay, so we'll put Savage above him, but now we put Savage against Piper. Yeah. What do you think? <sighs> <laughs> okay, oh, so both so two crazy you. people, but I again. I really think that Savage separates himself with the emotional resonance. Yes. Now, the problem we just said with Piper is that you can't connect with him all the time because he's so crazy. But Savage is so crazy, yet you can connect with him. Well, that's because he shows more emotion than Piper. I think Piper, more emotioned, more relatable than The Rock. But like you said, Savage more than Piper. Right. Yeah. It's, right, it's I just, think so. It's just a step above. He's a step above because of his ability to convey different emotions without ever compromising his character. Right. 
And that's important, and right. honestly. Not that Piper compromises no. his character either, but no, no, no. it's just like... Savage is more dynamic. Savage, yeah, he can just do more. He can just do more. He can go from confident, egotistical asshole like he is, you know, oh, I'm better than Hulk Hogan, right. or irreverent like, a oh, cup of coffee and all that right, stuff, yeah. or you heard Elizabeth, you know, yeah. crying practically, yeah. falling on the floor. Now this, to me, is a cr- something that kind of really helps Savage in a way. Tremendous. It's the how dynamic the character is. Um, the only person I can think of that's more dynamic is Ric Flair. Um, Probably. Hulk Hogan's only got two modes. He's got heel and face. Steve Austin is kind of just always Steve Austin. He's just but what he is, he's, but he's it not works. as dynamic in a way. Would Austin's he, not as dynamic, but he, his humor is underrated. He's very right. funny. He is very... Well, <laughs> Austin is still hilarious to me is because his, like, his mannerisms and how he's pissed off. Like, just when... You know that It Sucks promo? Yeah. There's a great fa- promo. There's a face he makes when Vince starts talking back to him where he's just like... Like, yeah. I, I don't know how... <laughs> yeah. I, you can't see it on an audio yeah, podcast. Yeah, but I know a, what you mean. There's like a... There's like an expression he's just like, he what gives. the fuck with you, basically, like, right? I fucking told you <laughs> yeah. that I don't like anybody yeah. in this stupid company, so stop bugging me. About, right. Like, and it's this perturbed face. And like... But Macho Man could do that, too. Oh, God. Yeah. Macho Man could do almost everything when it comes to promos. He really can. And he had the time to change himself. And Austin and The Rock, that is really time is against them. They, yeah. Everything about their runs, like, did not... That's what everyone forgets about the Attitude Era. It was kind of short. Very short. And the characters, the main two, The Rock and Austin, they kind of just pieced out after it was over. Yeah, that's true. And Triple H stayed the same, too, even though he's been here for, like, 20 more years, which yeah. is not good for him. But And time worked against Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. Because the more he kept coming back, the, the same, worse he was. The same thing with Piper. It, he got so much worse as time went on. He could still cut a good one here and there. I know that. I, but I still think it's ultimately because they just refused to let him be a heel. That's part of it. You know? I, I do. No, I, I agree. But he got more rambly and more like incomprehensible. Because what do you do with that character if you can't shit on people? I, you know what I mean? Like, what do you do? Well, I just, even when he was allowed to like do whatever in WCW, he stunk. It stunk. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Steve Austin versus Savage. Steve Austin versus Savage. It's tough, right? <sighs> We're putting Savage above Piper, right? Yes. Okay. Um, as much as I love Austin. Do you think Savage takes the number three spot? I think it's just because Savage is so freaking entertaining. I love Austin. He's so entertaining, too. But I'm, I'm always just a little bit, personally, I'm always just a little bit more entertained by Savage because here's the thing is that especially during his like crazy era he is just so I I, I can't get enough of him like he gives me that feeling that Ric Flair gives me where it's like I can't wait for him to get on the mic and Austin he's just so around all the time there's no when I when I get my Austin in my shows that I watch it's kind of like well of course I'm gonna get this but with Savage I feel like I'm I'm privileged like it's like the the show's coming to town you know Here's one of the things, though, uh, is with like guys like Flair, Hogan, and Austin, they were really the faces of their respective companies. Savage, Savage was, too. Briefly. I mean, really, really briefly. But here's the thing. Is Savage has this rare thing about him. He's in that category of, like, everyone knows when they hear the macho man. They know who that is. Well, like, of course. Even outside of wrestling. Slim Jim had a part in that. 
I'm not he kidding. Didn't, he didn't. Yeah, I'm just saying he didn't need to be the number one thing to be known because look at him. Like if you watch, if you turned on an episode of WF Wrestling in the 80s and you saw that guy, you're like, I'm not going to forget about him. True. Like, True. You know what I mean? Like, True. And you know, a, a, a feud we haven't mentioned yet. We talked about Hogan, but we did not mention their early 89 feud yet, which he's also tremendous in. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. So the reason I was bringing up that he was never the top guy is because these top three, Flair, Hogan, and Austin... They have that distinction. There's, and there's more of a measurability as to their success because they were all the faces of their companies. Yeah, but Savage also has that, too, because he, like, even though, like you said, he was, like, only number one for, like, a year or whatever. Yeah, not even. Like, he never, ever was forgotten. Like, just look at, like, for example, right. this isn't this isn't meant to be sad or anything, but do you remember when Savage passed away? Uh-huh. Everyone knew who he was. Like that's when I realized macho, that's when I realized like in a weird way, like the magnitude of his impact was just just like if I, there was not a person who didn't know who the hell the macho it's man, the said. macho man, yeah. right? It's like even people who are not wrestling fans. And you think part but, of that is because of his talking is that every, what you're- everyone knew? Ooh, yeah. Which is part of his talking. Right. Every single person. That's true. He had catchphrase. Too. You, yeah. Hear, Ooh, yeah. y- you hear common people who didn't watch wrestling is like. Oh yeah, the Macho Man. Oh yeah, like they—they—that's the first thing they think of. That's true. You see that clip of Don Mattingly doing a Macho Man impression from like '89 or something. People, so. anybody does. That's another thing. Is his character is unique enough that the common person can look at him and be like, "Oh yeah, that's the Macho Man." Yeah, that's the Macho Man. 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 Yeah, that's the He's just got this thing. He pops out of the screen. Like, okay, so, okay, okay. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and he just sticks with you. I don't have a problem putting him above Austin, but what's what's your ultimate reasoning why? He's more dynamic than Austin. He's a household name. I, think I mean, Austin was too, I think Quinn. Austin was also. But more of his but time. I, it's saying something that, to this day, Randy Macho Man Savage is somebody everyone, wrestling or non-wrestling. Steve Austin... In a weird way, you might have to like remind someone who Steve Austin is. The more time goes on, maybe. The more time goes on. Do you think that because uh, he again, he's just a bald guy with black trunks. Randy Savage wears crazy sunglasses and colorful colors. Yeah, he kind of like. But burn. talking wise, talking I, I, wise, but in, in his promos, all of it just it burns into your ears. You never forget, you know, his voice. His True. voice alone. That's that's something we haven't talked about with a lot of these people, but like he stands out. Randy I mean, Savage's voice is something that is is a weird like gift that we don't mention as far as True. like you might oddly forget Steve Austin's voice because he sounds like the guy that you, that's in your town. Maybe. Like he sounds like anybody else, but Randy Savage, oh my goodness. Like it's no I I've never met a person in my life who talks like Randy Savage. True. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's you're absolutely right. I think that Savage had one of the most unique looks ever and styles in the ring and everything. But without the promo ability, Randy Savage is not Randy Savage. So you wouldn't you wouldn't even remember him. And but if it, and talking like oh yeah, yeah, like that weird like gravelly yeah. but low voice that gets like intense. Oh. And when he gets intense, mm-hmm. like when he starts yelling, you can like see the veins oh, in his like freaking neck. Yep. Like and you're just like. Who is this guy? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this guy's crazy. This guy looks like he could beat up the biggest guy in my town. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he okay. is insane. So he's, we'll put him at number three, but uh, does he have a shot against the Hulkster? 
it's just, I don't think it's, he does. The Hulkster is just the Hulkster. And I think the one difference here is even though maybe Savage is more dynamic, Hogan had to be good because he was the number one guy right, in the company yeah. for so long. And yeah. I think that... And Savage doesn't touch Ric Rick Flair. It's just so all over the place. Yeah, I think mm. really what I'm noticing with Ric Flair, what really splits him apart, mm. is just all the 100 different directions mm. he can go into. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan is two people. He's NWO Hulk Hogan, and he's regular the Hulkster brother. The reason Hogan's as high as he is is because he was able to do this successfully for so long, and he's very yeah. entertaining and captivating, and he did it in two companies, and yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. As entertaining as Savage is, you don't think he goes above the Hulkster? I can't. I can't. Based on? I think because what propels Savage here the most is his, like, he's just so memorable right. in his talking ability. But, like, Hulk Hogan, like, if, if that's if that's Savage's, like, number one quality that got him past Austin, yeah. then you can't even, like, use that to fight the Hulk. Like, so, once again, ranking, Savage yeah. takes a backseat to Hulk Hogan, right? It's just tough. Yeah, I can't. I think so. I think Hogan really deserves to stay at number two. Yeah. I Randy think, Savage is a really hard one to fight off, too, but the Hulkster... He it, has to be number two still, I think. He was just too I damn can, successful like, at it, and he's also very entertaining. I can remember Hulk Hogan, like, speeches he's given. Just oh, like, me You know too. what I mean? Like, of course. There's so many more memorable things. Savage just has a lot of, a lot of gems, but other than, like, three things that I could remember... Whereas Hulk Hogan, it seems like every single thing he ever did was memorable. Right, right. You know, that's the difference right there. I'm I'm not going to try to put Savage above Hogan. I like Savage a real lot. I probably like him more overall career-wise than I like Hulk Hogan, but I like uh, I like Hogan on the mic too much. I think Hogan is just too damn good on the mic and was magnetic and yeah. led the company from right. the microphone and the ring. So I think three is a really well-deserved spot for Randy Savage. And I think we can call it a call think, it a week. I think we got a got a rank here. I, I think, think we, we have got a rank. A, we got a top six. Okay, so let's rank them. This has been a tough one, but here we go. At number one, still number one, Ric Flair. Number Ooh. two, still Hulk Hogan. Yep. But not Randy Savage is number three now. History I, is back in the Macho I, Man. I think it's well deserved. I do too. Number four, Steve Austin. Still nothing to be ashamed of. No, no, not at all. Five, Roddy Piper. I think is very fair. Very. Uh, the innovation alone is <laughs> yeah. like kind of like. He's just a little bit better than The Rock. He is. And The Rock's still holding strong at number six. Someone's got to be at the bottom there. So, folks, that are the those are the royal rankings right now of Talkers for this week. Let us know yours. Let us know why, if you disagree. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that always helps. Uh, you can do that, of course, on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But, Quinn, when we come back, we've got a challenge for you. Challenge. It is WWF Wrestling Challenge. And that'll be coming up right after this. The Intercontinental Champion, Macho Man, Randy Savage, and the very, very lovely, gorgeous, absolutely spectacular, Miss Elizabeth. Ah. Hey, did you touch me, man? You got no. a lot of guts. In fact, how would you like to be a has-been like this guy right here, the Dragon Ricky Steamboat? Don't you know that he ain't around no more? You ain't got the guts to put somebody out of professional wrestling like I did. Adrian Adonis is all over you and still around.
Hey, Gravel Gertie, I'll take care of Humpy the Humpback Whale. You take care of Steamboat, man. Let me show you something. Macho Man Randy Savage, high in the air. Wait, 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 wait. It's a lovely doll, but it's got a lot of hair on top of it there. I... Danger Zone, man. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the New Day podcast hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston and Big E. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. New Day Podcast. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique, it's quirky, it's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory, as they bring you the very best in the Southern Front wrestling we're talking about smoky mountain and the nwa it's booking the territory so again our three friends of the show the new day podcast greetings from allentown and booking the territory and welcome back wrestling fans to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thanks for being with us here on episode number 185 Quinn, we're reviewing something. We are. Challenge. This one was a pleasure. Challenge! This was. This is a very good episode of Wrestling Challenge, and it was uh, suggested and provided to us by Richard Landchaps. All the way from England. All the way from jolly old England across the pond. So, Wrestling Challenge, uh, it's going to be September 23rd, 90. I want to give you a little bit of background here. This is coming off the heels of SummerSlam 90. Incidentally, that's a coincidence here, but mm-hmm. which our review is out now. That's not why we're doing this one. But uh, So, this is the fallout of SummerSlam 90. Things are changing in the World Wrestling Federation. There's a lot of uh, things happening in the World Federation, and um, I have to say, this is a very story-heavy episode. Yes, it is. And man, WrestleMania 6 feels like a long time ago by September of 90. Yeah, we're starting to veer in 91 territory. Yeah. Things are getting different. They're getting different. They're not like they used to be pre-WrestleMania 6 anymore. Correct. But this is a, a great episode, and obviously challenge, folks. You know what challenge is, but if you don't, the quick refresher on that is... It was The B Show. It started in 1986. It replaced All-Star Wrestling. The B Show generally meant that, uh, for syndication purposes, Superstars were the, was the A Show. So if a station was going to carry WWF syndicated programming, they had to have the A, and then if they wanted to, they could add on the B, which was Challenge, and the C, which was Spotlight. But We don't talk about we that. We don't talk about Spotlight. And on Challenge... Throughout its run, which was 86 to 95, and then a weird run until 97, and then it became Shotgun Challenge, we, which we, we talked about. We went over this yes. like a couple weeks ago, if <laughs> yes. you want the Shotgun Challenge <laughs> yeah. history. But uh, throughout its run, it was rare that you'd have a feature match. On Superstars, you, you usually would. It's rare you would have anything relevant on yes. Challenge. Like that, That's what stands out so much about this episode. Right. There's a lot of storyline development here. There's almost more than I've ever seen in one episode of regular like superstars or championship there's 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 like way too much going on in this episode there's a lot of effort in this one and obviously challenge was known mainly as the gorilla and bobby show so we'll see what's going on here Mm -hmm. uh but let's get into it quinn i mean this is an easy one it's wwf wrestling challenge september 23rd 1990 
wow, challenge. We never get to watch this. That's like <laughs> right. was my first thought when I flipped on. I'm like, when was the last time we did a challenge? It's I, been a long time, right? I cannot remember. So I was like already super excited. I'm like, Bobby and Gorillas yeah. is going to be great, right? This is their show. Yeah. Uh, so we're in Wheeling, West Virginia here, and we're joined by Vince McMahon and Bobby Heenan. <sighs> Coming to you this week from the Mountaineer State, it's the WWF's Wrestling Challenge. Wait, Vince, like, is Gorilla still in the hospital from the toe? Is that, is that what's going on here? <laughs> we'll explain that a little later, but yes, uh, what Quinn is referring to is in August of 1990, Gorilla, who was a diabetic, had a toe amputated, and because of that, he notably and was sorely missed at SummerSlam 1990. What a time to miss it. <laughs> and that's why we had to deal with Piper the whole show. And Vince. Yeah. And Vince actually filled in on all of Gorilla's commitments, as far as I know, which would include Challenge, so that's why Vince is taking a rare step down from yep. the A show here to join the B show with Bobby Heenan. Now, Vince McMahon tells us that Wheeling, West Virginia is, in fact, the birthplace, Quinn, of outdoor advertising. Wait a sec. They were doing this shit on Challenge 2. Oh, yeah. I feel like them talking about the opening is like saying, hey, did you know it rained today? <laughs> like, it's like just happy talk, nothing. Yeah, like, it it's, is. It's happy I, talk. They, they did this for years on Superstars. Like, every Superstars would open with, like, oh, they invented dust, dust here. <laughs> um, and here's this guy that <laughs> owns the stadium or something. It's it's real. Like, Thank you for coming. It's like, what? Why do they do that? It has nothing to do with the show. I guess just to add a little local flavor to the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, but it, here's the thing: is 99 percent of the people watching don't live in that town. That's true. Like, you know what I mean. <laughs> Most people in the U.S. do not live in Wheeling, West Virginia. Exactly. We tell you that I'm just much. Saying. Bobby responds to this outdoor advertising thing by saying that the big boss man's mom is in the outdoor advertising business. As the Goodyear blimp, yeah, it's written a, on her it says ass. Goodyear on her butt. Yeah. Yes, get it. Very. Just remember that. Yes, the, ball, the, the we're we're deep into the boss man Bobby mom Bobby jokes. making fun of him mom jokes. <laughs> yeah, thing. the yo mama yeah. jokes. Your mother's so fat. After sex, I roll over twice, and I'm still on the bitch. We get the good intro music here, and the weird muscle thing with the <laughs> WF logo, like tattooed. Yes, which you know is Vince's idea. Like, oh, there's yeah. only one man who would think, you know, what we should put it. The first thing you see on the opening of our wrestling bicep, a bicep with WF tattooed on it. That is very Vince. Uh, and this intro, of course, has clips of all of our 1990 favorites and the Warlord. Yeah. Uh, as Vince runs down today's action, which includes a special interview with Sergeant Slaughter. The font is still very like cowboy, by the way. You know, like <laughs> where it says wrestling challenge on the. Blue background, but like it's like very like it cowboy. should be the cowboy doors. Also, like I don't know saloon style yeah. font. Plus, we're gonna see the big boss man, Ted DiBiase, and uh, the debut of someone. I don't want to spoil oh, it for you. you. Want to spoil it? No. Okay. Oh, 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 good too. The LOD will be here. No. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, I thought this is a good episode. Your favorite. Uh, to ringside now, where Teddy DiBiase's music hits, and he enters with <laughs> Virgil and. Sweet Sapphire. I love it. Yes. I love this so much. Obviously, at SummerSlam, DiBiase had uh, purchased Sapphire to piss off Dusty Rhodes. Right. So Sapphire here is wearing her coat, showing her coat, and she's carrying a <laughs> Ted DiBiase wrestling buddy. Which is weird wife. for like, okay, so everything she's wearing, right, is supposed to make her look like she's got a bunch of money now. Yeah, from Teddy. But then like it cheapens her holding the wrestling buddy. Like, you know what I mean? What was the point of that? It just makes it look goofy. Yeah, it's like, very goofy. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't know. Mike McGurk, of course, is our ring announcer wearing a black tuxedo. And I must admit, Virgil looking spiffy today. He's got the like 
red brush fire, whatever that <laughs> vest vest color. I don't know how to explain it. It's like kind of it's got like a hint of like black and red, but like somebody mixed it in a paint mixer. Like it looks great. Yeah, he looks good. Virgil yeah. looks very good here. DiBiase's opponent is in the ring, and it's Jim McPherson, who sounds like he's the local pharmacist yeah. here in Wheeling. <laughs> McPherson's well, pharmacy, or just like one of the like EMTs in the back or something. <laughs> I don't know. Earl Hebner actually lowers himself to do this match here, as Vince says that DiBiase obviously doesn't care about Sapphire. But that's the funniest part, Vince. How yeah. does he not like get it? Like you know what I mean? Like the whole point is like Sapphire knows he doesn't care. Yeah, DiBiase knows he doesn't care. Dusty knows. It's all just to piss Dusty that's off. All like Sapphire's just like, well, if he's gonna give me a bunch of money, okay. Yeah, if like, I have to hold a wrestling buddy and wear a coat, fine. Yeah, who gives a shit, right? So Fink butts in out of nowhere with a plug for the October nineteenth MSG show, which is gonna feature. A quadruple main event? Is this because they don't want to, like, give the Warrior all of it? I don't understand what this is. Like, a double main event is bad enough because it's like, okay, what do you focus on? A quadruple main event for an MSG show? half the card. The half the card is main events. For example, one of the uh, main events here is Perfect versus Tornado in a rematch. Because we haven't seen that already. (laughs) So anyway, here, uh, Jim with a body slam for a zero count because Earl was literally not paying attention, and I'm not kidding. Okay, he I'm just, literally I'm wasn't say, paying attention. You have to remember his challenge. I wasn't no even excuse. paying attention either, because literally I was just like, "What are what's Sapphire like doing outside? Because <laughs> it's really funny, the whole thing. But Earl should be paying attention. Yeah, I know, I know. Bad referee. Uh, DiBiase back in control now as we get a shot of Sapphire speaking to her. She's out there admiring her code, admiring her rings. It's great. It is. Nice <laughs> camera work. It's so good. <laughs> Power slam by DiBiase, and the Million Dollar Dream quickly gets the win. As Vince says, McFarland McPherson is going nighty-night. That million-dollar dream, and McPherson likes it to go nighty-night. Bobby predicts that Dusty would call the feud off for like 50 bucks, yeah, which is like, funny. Dusty's just cheap. <laughs> yeah. Virgil shows the money to the camera and then hands some over to Teddy for a Jimbo to have stuff down his gullet over there. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Quinn? Even though there's obviously the dubbed-in booing, you can clearly see several people cheering for DiBiase. I can't help but get excited about all this just because like, it's so unique to have Sapphire... Yeah. Like a completely different case. It's funny. It's like, brief as it was. It was weird and funny, right? Yeah. It's just like how I just want more of this. Well, I'm actually, it's, it's hilarious. I'm very saddened, Quinn, by the Sapphire turn. You know, I feel very what? bad for Dusty. Hey, she digs it. You're right. Like she, Sapphire's into it. She doesn't seem sad to no, me. That's like, true. Uh, we go to the WWF Magazine Report now with Lord Alfred Hayes and brought to us by Coliseum Video's SummerSlam 90, which is available this Thursday. So Lordship brings up a recent brother love show on Superstars where Sherry showed up with a contract. This is starting already. Yeah. And here we go. Accused the warrior of being afraid of Randy Savage. So then Warrior shows up. He's, he's wow. So Sherry slaps him a few times because, of course, she would. That's, that's totally her thing. She doesn't care. Yeah. Also, she's got this, like, fucked up burlesque <laughs> elephant feather boa mask hat thing on. What is she that? She looks insane. It's like this weird feather mask, like Marie Antoinette get up. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I mean, she is a queen, right? Let I mean, me kick. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's just odd because, see, here's the thing. If you notice, the feather thing is only one side, but it's the side facing the camera, and there's actually no anything on the other side. <laughs> but why is it like this dangly hose? What is that? Oh, yeah. You're right. There is like a weird, like. It's like a trunk. Yeah. It's I, like Snuffleupagus. It's, I don't know what that, it's like almost like a, like, 
like supposed to be a scarf, but she's not like wearing it or something. Like I don't. It's odd. It's just dangling like a weird rope. They showed this clip for fucking months. It's like on everything. Well, like, this kicks off the feud, right? It's one of the three things they show for the Savage Sherry uh, Savage Sherry Warrior feud. Yes, it is. And they show it so much. So this like this get up like existed forever in my brain yeah it's very bizarre brother love hides behind sherry while threatening the warrior which is very funny he's like you can't do this on the show of love but he's like hiding behind sherry love is excellent during this excellent uh he tells warrior that he loves him which is really funny just like screams (laughs) i love you i love you and the warrior who still has pretty good hair coherently gets on the mic and tells Sherry that Savage has found love with someone else. And hey, that's not right. I don't even know what, like, where he's getting that. Rumors. That, yeah, it's, it's random. Stirring up shit. It's like he's just saying that just to piss her off. Yeah, so Sherry rightfully slaps him again for that. Good. Yeah. Back to Lordship now, who says that the warrior is a man of true moral fiber, and he'd never use violence against a woman. Yeah, so instead he destroyed the brother love set. What a very nice guy. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> The fuck is- we then cut to warrior yes throwing the podium around while brother love is again ridiculously cowering behind sherry even sherry's like more cowery than usual like, well the warrior's a maniac right you don't, don't want to cross his path yeah it's just it's it's weird because sherry's usually not afraid of shit she, she like it's very like oh no like well, like the whole time this That's is a all. very crazy man Quinn. yeah it's true Warrior storms off to look for Savage, and we see him go backstage. This is great. And the first person he sees is Bobby, and he throws him out of the of way. Of course he does. <laughs> like, it's like... And you know what's weird? It's like almost Bobby knows he's going to punch me. He's just like, no! Yeah, no! Yeah, yeah. No! Like, immediately as he sees him. And, like, Warrior's just like, ah, punches him. That's <laughs> really funny. He then punches every jobber in sight, including Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy. What a terrible face, by the way. Like, what, like, what a relatable guy. Like, it's like I, that's what I do when I see all these people. I'm, I'm going to just punch everyone. Then he knocks over some road cases, overturns a gurney. Why yeah. not? Then he storms into the hallway and throws over a table before heading into the locker room. The, there's people there just innocently sitting at the table. Yeah. By the way, it's like they're not even like part of anything. No. Like, and just, he's just like, Rah! It's like, what a dick. And then Warrior has... This is amazing. Jim Brunzel, where yeah. Savage is, and Jumpin' Jim is innocently like, I don't know. So Warrior punches him. What the fuck? Tosses him into the wall. Jumpin' Jim Jobber edition. Yeah, yeah it is. The blue tights. Yeah, the blue tights edition, the pasty tights. Punch the Macho Man. Don't go. Where is it? I don't, I don't see the and then he tosses over the cameraman and storms away. But that whole thing was great. Yeah. I also like how the Warriors music is just proudly playing over all of this the whole time. Yeah. It's like, what a hero. It's like, like his version of the Benny Hill music yeah, or something. It's, it's, it's really silly. On this rampage. Back to Hayes now, who throws over to Savage and the Cowboy King hair. He's got the hat already. Right. He says, oh, the Warriors are enraged and confused and disillusioned. I like that he's all calm. See, we were yeah. talking about Savage. You never know with him. Yep. And then Savage takes off the glasses and he asks the warrior, Do you really want to find the Macho King? Great stuff, it's honestly. Good. It, was, it, it wasn't too much. It was all that just needed to be said, right? Yep. It was like Savage just kind of like mocking him calmly yeah, as he, he's acting like a crazy person. Yeah. He's like, you're confused. You're disillusioned. Do you really want to deal with me? Yeah. 
Good stuff. Exactly. I'd be Dusty Rhodes. And yeah, like, I'd be easily. Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> Back to ringside now where Vince uses the phrase batten down the hatches. See, this is very <laughs> like, like Gumdinger. And, yeah, yeah. It's like very Vince. Gumdinger. All right, batten down the hatches here, Bobby the Brain. Brooklyn Brawler's in the ring as Vince hypes up. A former World Wrestling Federation superstar that was known as Tony Atlas. Yeah, remember him? Yeah, I do. But now he's... He went... <laughs> this, this is, is our good. debut, everyone. Yeah, this is bad. He went back, quote-unquote, to Africa. And he's known now as Saba Simba. You will probably note this man if you look closely. He was in the World Wrestling Federation as Tony Atlas some time ago. But from there, years ago, went back to Africa. Studying the ways. And indeed, bringing his culture all the way back to the WWF. And now known as Saba Simba. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. This is so messed up and bad, and I don't like it. This is two things here. This is horrible, like you said, in every conceivable possible way. And number two, I want everyone to please take note here that Vince himself does, in fact, refer to people's past when they re-debut. He's done yes. it with Ricky Steam. He does do it. There's this weird myth that it was Piper who spoiled it or something by saying, Hey, it's not Tony Atlas! Vince literally. Yeah. yeah. Like, he literally says... Look close. It's Tony Atlas, you fuckheads. He says this. <laughs> he says, Not the fuckheads no, he part, but he's that. like, no, that's Tony Atlas. Yeah. You will probably note this man if you look closely. He was in the World Wrestling Federation as Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas. If you look close, Tony Atlas. If you look close, Tony Atlas. He also does that at the very be- He does it at the very beginning. He did it with Jacques Rougeau. He's like, you used to know him as Jacques Rougeau. Now he's the Mountie. Right. Like, this does happen. I don't happen. know why he thinks that. but He, yeah. he did it with the Dragon in 91. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, we never called him Ricky Steamboat. It's said, like, multiple times. Former Intercontinental yes. Champion. Like, it, yeah. it happens, folks. Anyway, it all sucks as Atlas does a stupid dance down the ring. It's all bad. Why did they do this shit? It's bad, Quinn. I don't know why. Like, if you're going to bring Tony Atlas gimmick. back in 90... First he, of all, don't. I know, but in 90, there's still people who remember him yes. winning the tag title. He was there until like 86. It's not like he's been gone that long. Yeah, so it's... It 87 maybe? This is actually more I wonder if the story here more is this gimmick, like like making everyone have a gimmick thing. It's a horrible gimmick. And like, when you left and come back, that seems like when you're ripe for a repackage, yeah. like Ricky Steamboat and stuff. Like, whenever, whenever somebody had left and came back, like from 1990 on, they always threw a gimmick on them. Yeah, which is not always a good thing, and this right. is a, a very prime example of a horrible gimmick. Yeah. It's just, there's nothing redeemable about this. No, it's bad. Bobby makes some bad jokes, and Vince is like, I beg your pardon, and Bobby says, I'm not the governor. Uh, Mike hmm. Kyoto is the referee for this historic occasion here, and Quinn, I don't know if you know, the music was very familiar. I don't know if you, like, it sounded like a slightly different version of a theme so, that I've heard before. So, what I noticed was that it was like a unique theme, right? And yeah. They, they, it kind of had like a... um like a native vibe. I don't know how I else heard to, that like, part. Right. But then tribal. at the very tribal, that's it. But then when it like, there was a part yes. where like it turned into something else. And I swear it was either like the beat of like the Duggan slash like John stud, John stud, or it could have been two things. The other one is the Bigelow like sax thing, but I just like check. it's <laughs> yeah. that it's that progression. It it's was like, definitely it's, something it's right in there. Yeah. Yes. So I'm gonna have to check that out. Hey, Shabby shithead. You might be thinking of this part, which kind of sounds like Tito Santana's theme. Arriba, motherfucker. 
But to really keep things kosher here, we throw to Akeem and Slick for their thoughts on Saba Simba. Slick thinks it's bullshit and that Akeem is the only true African. Yep, nothing wrong here. Nope, yeah, this, really, <sighs> this stuff really holds up well today. It's really, really, really <laughs> bad. It is. Atlas doesn't help things by looking like crap, though, either. Yeah, he's getting very fat. Like, Seriously. The one thing is when he took off all the stuff, he had this big gut. Yeah. Like, I was like, what happened? This is Mr. Olympia or Universe right. or whatever he is. I mean, we've seen him. He used to look great. Yes, you know? I know. He used to be, like, in really good shape. Been eating quarter pounders, it yeah. looks like here. I don't know. Lombardi, Lombardi and his curly mullet attack Atlas to start here, but Atlas tosses him around, lands some chops, dumping kicks by Atlas. Irish whip and a dancing fallaway slam gets the win. Yes, he danced while doing... I'm not making it up. <sighs> At least it was quick. Yeah. God. Over to Sean Mooney now in the event center for some October 19th MSG hype. At least it's a good arena they're hyping this time. Uh, yeah, the, at first I, because they kept saying the same matches, and at first I was like, wait, are they doing this on all different parts of the country? I was like, why does everyone want to see Texas Tornado as Mr. Perfect 700 times? I know. But, no, it's uh, MSG again. And guess what? When we're going to get Tugboat versus Dino Bravo. Yuck. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes versus DiBiase. Well, that makes that sense. That makes 100% sense. Heart Foundation versus Rhythm and Blues. Double Trouble, baby. Yeah, Double Trouble's back, and they're getting a tag title shot. Get, That's well, odd. Remember what Brett said, you know, we'll take on anybody. Yeah, it just seems like a weird, like, first opponent for them as the tag champs. Anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Texas Tornado versus Mr. Perfect, of course. And we now get a promo from Perfect and the tan coat Bob Heenan <laughs> that literally looks like it was filmed at SummerSlam. Yeah, because Bobby probably- never wore that stupid <laughs> coat again. It's bad. I'm sure this was filmed at SummerSlam. Yeah, probably. Bobby says, hey, things are great. The Yankees are in last place. The Mets are about out of it, but he's going to bring a winner to the Garden. Hey, wait, I thought Perfect was friends with Wade Boggs. <laughs> like, why is that good? Well, Boggs was still on the Red Sox. That's why. Oh, well, wait. When did he join the Yankees? 93. Oh, so I didn't realize it was that late. I always yeah. thought it was like 90, 91. No, he was still on the Red Sox. I thought he had like, just joined the Yankees, actually. No, 93 to 97, he uh-huh. was on the Yanks. Finished his career on the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Right. The, de- the Devil Rays, specifically, was, not the Rays. In 99. Yeah. You That's, were- like, where your career went to, like, when it's over. Like, yeah. before they became, like, a competitive team. Like, it's basically, like, I only got a few years left, but I want to, like, get the rest of my contract finished. So they Good. trade you to Tampa Bay, and you just kind of, like, it'd be, like, retirement league over Pretty there. Pretty much for the first couple of years yeah. when they were expansion teams. Yeah. Uh, it's basically like the USWA of baseball right. at that time. Just It's like where you go to be put out of pasture. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, he can run in the fields and catch balls, like, for his last, like, three years or something. I think he got his 3,000th hit when he was on the Devil Rays. He did all right. That's what that I mean. It's like, literally, it's, it's a retirement yeah. baseball. Good player. Yeah. Wade Boggs. Yep. Brain calls a tornado <laughs> a miserable hick from a dust bowl <laughs> or wherever he lives. And then Perfect bitches about how he only had 10 days to prepare for the SummerSlam match. So shut up. But he's going to win the belt back quickly. Well, that's partially true. Yeah, he I does mean, win it back soon. It's very quick. <laughs> it's not that long. How long is this rain? Like three months or something? Well, on TV... It airs in December of 90. Right, but it didn't. That's not. He won it in like November, like a month. So it's a three month rain. Wow. Yeah. In real time. I know it's not that long. Promo now from Dusty Rhodes, who has a black top hat on and a red and black polka dot cape because fuck you. It's like the sad Dusty (laughs) attire. They might as well also play the sad Yes Network music too during the promo. It's ridiculous. It's like the subdued, like, I'm very upset, you know, polka dot Why there's no sapphire to cheer him up anymore. There's no more yellow. Red now. Now the word on the street in the Big Apple is Dusty Rose now has the face of a fire. The face of Dusty Rose, the American dream we all know. Coming back to Madison Square Garden. 
The thief had to be out there. The million dollar man. The man is dead. Money can buy everything. And then we go back to Mooney, who has to just punt it up with, oh, you can bank on the fact that Dusty <sighs> will get even. Back to ringside now, where Mike McGurk brings up that, or introduces that hot, young, up-and-comer Quinn, Jimmy Powers. Looking very happy and up-and-coming today. <laughs> Hi! Like, yeah, he, like, big smile. He's still got the fucking young stallions coat on in 90. He does. He like, looks like an idiot. <laughs> Vince literally says, making his way up the ladder, Jim Powers. <laughs> they like, know. It's the, real. The young up-and-comer. Making his way up the ladder here in the World Wrestling Federation. How long are they going to pull that shit? He's been there since, like, 84. It's ridiculous. It's this one is like very excessive. He even looks like he's getting old. Yeah. Looks like he hasn't cut his hair in years. Yeah, like it's, really? it's bad. <laughs> so anyway, McMahon is solo. Quinn, nice touch because Bobby and Perfect are entering next. Lots of fake booze. They must have had to hide all the smarks cheering. Like I'm not even kidding because it's like it's like overly loud and like sounds fake. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. It's it's like what? If you missed it, folks, on the SummerSlam review, Quinn has this theory that like. Perfect was a smart darling, and that's one of the he reasons was. why his legacy lives on Look today. Look at all the goofs they always interview about him. Like in the crowd, they're like, oh, I think Mr. Perfect is so good, and he's very good. And I, <laughs> I, I have a shirt. A, I have the internet at my house. You know, like it's like that. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> the Mike McGurk's hair looks very flammable right now. I just want to oh, say it is very hair. Like the whole episode, it's like it's way more teased than her natural hair that's oh, for God, sure yeah that nothing natural about that she's like the scarecrow it doesn't even fucking move her hair too it's like it's like the eric bischoff effect you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. it's like just a lot of product i love mcgurk though yeah. uh, perfect has his yellow and black singlet by the way dirty john bonello is gonna be our referee <laughs> here as howard finkel butts in again but this time it's to hype up that hot poughkeepsie new york show on october hot. 1st that's where everyone goes to see the wrestling go to the mid hudson civic center now it's Power. amazing that they kept that since, like, championship and, like, the early, like, Fink just Pokemon putting in. Oh, that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know when that stopped, but it, it's done by, like, the early 90s. We're it's, going on, like, eight years now of this, with Fink is, like, doing this shit. Yeah. Well, it was Vince before it was Fink. Yeah. Vince used to do it in the 70s, it's I think. ridiculous. Powers drop kicks perfect out of the ring to start here, while Bobby is on the outside giving some encouragement. For literally no reason, Vince says perfect is questioning Bobby's managing skills. Like what? Yeah, what was Vince on this? He kept pushing this theory that yeah. like, the, oh, that's the, they're breaking up or something. Never, what? never went anywhere. Wasn't even hinted. No, never. Insert promo now from the tornado. Great insight. He says he's going to give perfect another chance, and that's it. Thrilling. <laughs> what? It was horrible. He's like, I will let him fight me again. <laughs> yeah. I just may. Down by the bay. Bye. <laughs> what the hey? Uh, at least he wasn't whispering this time like it's SummerSlam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. In Texas Tornado is going to win. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the rolling neck snap by Perfect. How does Jim Power still work here, by the way? Like, really? Seri- I'm, I'm, like, asking a serious question. Well, I guess they need warm bodies. It's yeah. like the Sam Houston effect, right? But they're still saying, like, oh, he's good. Yeah, and what he's, is that? He's going to win. You know, what? Perfect calls for the perfect plex, lands it for the wind, the smarks clap. Uh, by the way, Vince was being such a dill hole on commentary by himself the whole time. He just kept repeating that perfect isn't perfect. He's annoying. Yeah, he's like, yeah. oh, Mr. Perfect, not so perfect now, is he? Guess what? Guess what? He's not perfect anymore. Shut up. I don't think he's perfect. Bobby Heenan sucks, too. <sighs> anyway, back to Mooney, unfortunately. Have we had enough of him? He was, like, just here. <laughs> like, it's so annoying. Well, now, Quinn, he's here to hype up. The Nassau Coliseum show on September 29th. Why can't they do all that at once? They're right next to each other. <laughs> Same market. It's terrible. Big Boss Man's going to be taking on the Earthquake. Plus, the Bushwhackers and Duggan take on the Orient Express and Fuji. Why? <laughs> also, what was this match? 
Jimmy Snuka versus Rick Rude. Didn't they already <laughs> fight each other at WrestleMania? Yeah, underpants. Yeah. Steve Allen. What? Like, what? Isn't that a little low for Rude? Yeah, what are they doing? <laughs> Rude just got done with a WF title match. <laughs> First fighting Snuka. And he's, I thought he's dealing with like other people. Yeah, he, yes, he should yeah. be. Uh, plus, the Warlord. No opponent listed. Yeah, well, plus, we don't know, care about that. <laughs> plus Haku. No opponent listed. <laughs> and now Jake Roberts cuts a promo. He's going to have a Harlem street fight against Akeem. Now, Didn't he just have one of these? Well, he had the sewer rat fight it's, against it's, Bad it's News. the same thing. So here's the deal here, right? He's fighting Akeem. Right. It, it was supposed to be Bad News Brown. I, I can I gathered that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Harlem street fight. Yeah. So just to butt in with uh, the history there, Bad News' last recorded WWF match was SummerSlam. Oh, okay. Okay. He left right after either got mad at Vince or wanted to go to Japan. It doesn't matter. He stunk in 90 anyway. He's like awful in 1990. No, he's very irrelevant. Right. So Akeem filled in all these dates throughout September and October that Bad News was advertised for. The point is Akeem is still there too, which is crazy. Yeah. Anyway, Snake cuts a typically great Jake Roberts promo. Basically like, Akeem is total shit. I make my own rules. (laughs) Like, it's basically that. Yeah, Akeem is shitty. Yeah. That's basically the point of it. Go back to Mooney who informs us that there's no rules. You can wear whatever you want in this match. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) He's very, like, excited about this detail. It's like, hmm, they might wear jeans. (laughs) Remember, in this encounter, the superstars can wear whatever they want to the ring, and there are no rules. Jimmy Hart is now with a very sweaty earthquake in his dark blue plane tights. Jimmy calls earthquake a judge yeah. or something. Judge earthquake, baby! Judge earthquake, because fuck Big Boss Man! He's going to lay down the justice, baby! And he's going to beat the fuck out of Big Boss Man. Back to ringside now, Quinn, where the LOD storms in. Uh, oh, good. I love them in this company. Uh, they're facing Scott Colantino and Rico Frederico. This will be four seconds. Yeah, really. Bobby's back in the booth now, makes fun of the big boss man's mom's hair, saying it's worse than the LODs. <laughs> Legion of Doom attacks before the bell because they're assholes. Adam what, what with great faces. <laughs> they're so fuck. Yeah. Animal with a power slam as Bobby continues to make fun of big boss mom. Freddie Sparta's the referee. <laughs> Hawk comes in as Bobby pronounces roots says roots and vince makes fun of him which is kind of funny i mean he deserves it he's got to realize the roots and where he came from the roots yeah the roots no the roots i'm talking about her hair she does her hair you know standing drop kick by hawk as we get an insert promo from the lod and they're each holding their october 1990 magazine where they have themselves on the cover they call out demolition and hawk ends it with like a very calm like Oh, what a rush. Oh, they're so annoying. Look, we're on the magazine. I mean, how oh, what a much, rush. by the way, how much LOD picture in a picture can you get in one thing? They're <laughs> wrestling in the ring. They're in a box holding a magazine of themselves. And if you like, look closely on the magazine, they're holding a picture of themselves. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine? It's like feedback. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Stupid. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I don't like them, the WWF. I hate them. Like, I like they're, they're them. They're really horrible yeah, in WF. They're, they're so aggravating in the WWF. They literally come in and disrupt the whole tag division. I mean, you might as well just put Disney's LOD. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's just so kid-friendly and not as good. With that, like, long-time Disney voiceover guy? Yeah. Disney's LOD. Yeah. <laughs> it says literally... Animal. Yeah. Legion of Doom. <laughs> they're going on a wild adventure. <laughs> like... They're with with a dog demolition. or something. And like they're going to have a dummy with them. A talking dog. Now on VHS. Yeah. <laughs> Think again for the NASA show. Make sure you go there. It'll be really good. It's a real shithole of arena. Animal back in. Big boot. Tag to hawk. Doomsday's of ice. Goodbye. I don't even care. That's LOD for you. They're so one-dimensional. Like, yep. this is all they got. 
It's well, ah. we'll beat him up two seconds, sour and gory and clothesline, whatever. You're going to drink mouthwash. It's yeah. just like, shut up, Hawk. <laughs> just fuck off. I heard they farted today. Like, it, it's like awful. You know what I don't like? Stinky farts. <laughs> That's like their promos. Uh, you, you're like stinky mucus. I remember seeing a possum on the side of the road. That's what you look like. <laughs> it's so lame. Stupid. Vince is uh, now all bold saying that LOD is going to kick Axe's ass, smash his ass, and crush his ass because Vince hates demolition now. They don't like his meal ticket. It's terrible. Stupid WrestleMania 7 promo now that we're going to continue to see until there's a bomb threat. Please buy tickets. It's September. We barely sold any. Like, that's what this is. You know what usually helps to sell tickets? A main event? Yeah, that would be good. They're just like, come to WrestleMania. Why? Like, well, why I- that's be- it's because Rick Martel's going to drive a fancy car there and something. R- Rick Rude's running down the beach there. Yeah, Dusty's on the back of a dumpster truck. <laughs> yeah, it's dumpster like, truck. That's why you should come to WrestleMania 7. Ugh. Over to Mean G now on the podium to introduce the recently returned Drill Sergeant Slaughter. What, why do they keep saying that know. Drill Sergeant Slaughter? They never said that no. until this. Uh, so Sergeant Slaughter, a very fat man, gives Gene a bunch of crap for not being respectful or something. Take Sergeant Slaughter, I the first word out of that filthy mouth of yours, my dad. Sir? And he just regurgitates the same crap from SummerSlam. People need to be told what to do. And then he brings out his own special guest, a great leader, a man that even he, Sergeant Slaughter, would take orders from. He, he sounds like Yoda, but just louder right now. <laughs> Didn't know what he was doing. Didn't know what he was being. It's bad. It's, it's so bad. It's the general from Iraq, General... Adnan. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh is this right. This will really sell the seats to WrestleMania 7 now. <laughs> now, Vince has a line right out of the OVP playbook. He says, what is this? This is absurd. What is this? You've got to be kidding me. This is absurd. Yeah. <laughs> That's like literally something you would say. Vince is so... He is so upset. About oh my god, this, this is, is horrible. This is a fucking outrage. <laughs> like, Big deal. He brought up Billy White Wolf, and yeah. now he's a general. Who cares? Whatever. Adnan wanders out now as they really crank up the fake booze, and Adnan says his usual inner Arabic, honestly, I don't know what he's saying. Looking all old. Oh my god, he's like 60, or he looks 60. <laughs> whatever he says, or whatever. Send your cards and letters directly to Ogden, Utah, yeah. as Gene's like, oh, what is he saying? Oh, and Slaughter translates it as, he's saying pieces for pansies, really? That's what he said. That's what he said, I'm he's sure. a little long for that, huh? <laughs> just for like, just that. It's a very inefficient language, yeah. you know? Zang. Yeah. <laughs> he then declares war on Nikolai Volkov, which is a big waste of time, as they turn up the fake booze even louder. This is absurd. This isn't good. This angle stinks. The fake booze is yeah. just. Because you know what the thing is? It's like, especially when he spoke in the weird language or whatever that was. It's Arabic. Is it? I think. I just thought he was making up stuff, to be honest. No, with I think it, it really okay. is. He actually knew okay. Saddam Hussein. Wait, wait, wait. There's actually truth to that to an extent. What? He knew him. He wasn't a general in Iraq. I really just thought he was some American guy, like, pretending to speak. No, General... (laughs) This whole time. General Adnan, right? You might also know him as Adnan Al-Kasi, right? right? Yeah. He was also Billy White Wolf in, like, the 70s. That's what I mean, is because he calls himself Billy White Wolf. But he was... Iraqi, I believe, or at least Middle was Eastern. He really? Yeah, and he knew Saddam Hussein. I'm not saying he was a general. He was not. Right. But he knew him. I had no idea. So I just, just thought everything about him was bullshit in real no, life. No, it's not entirely. But anyway, we fade away from this great angle here, and we come back to Mike McGurk introducing Paul Perez. He'd fit right in in 1983. Oh, Quinn. 100%. <laughs> right? And next, the big boss man comes out, 
in his stupid hat. What is with the hat? He needs to, because he's selling it. It's the big That's boss man is, official right? hat. But yes. he never wore it beforehand. Well, now he does because okay. he wants the kids to buy it. Sorry. Uh, on his way down, though, he notices Vince and Bobby at the commentary table and heads right over. Nice of them not to be in the green screen zone just for this, by the yes. way. Yeah, did you notice that? So I guess now this is where I'll point it out, folks, okay? This taping took place two days after SummerSlam. So that's actually August 29th, right. my fifth birthday. Who cares? And they obviously taped like four of these in a row. Now, Gorilla was back in the voiceover zone mm-hmm. on the previous episode of Challenge. So the September 16th episode, Gorilla is back. He's fit for duty, so he does the voiceovers Good. with Bobby and Stanford, yep. right? However, because they taped this angle to air on the 23rd... Right, the toe was getting removed. Right. Yeah. Vince, who was there live in the arena, had to do the commentary on this episode <laughs> of Challenge. It's a gap because Gorilla just returned on the 16th, but now Vince is back again right. just for this just, episode. Just for this week because yes. they already filmed it. Correcto. So anyway, Bossman tells Bobby to shut the fuck up about his mom, basically. <laughs> Bobby immediately apologizes. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just joking. Meanwhile, we get to see Vince wearing his sneakers and like his suit. His hair is all fucked up. Yeah, you had a theory about like why he looks oh, so horrible. 100%. So like, you know what you just said about how like this gap or whatever? Yeah, this is done at ringside on the 29th. Judging by how Vince looks, I swear they like messed up or something and didn't realize. And like Vince looks like he just got out of the shower and I'm like not even trying to be like funny. No, he, he literally like he literally looks like he's like, oh shit. And like they like literally like he didn't have time to comb his hair. He just like threw on some sneakers that were like just in his locker room yep. and just like ran the fuck out there. Put a suit on real quick. Yeah, like it, it looks like just like back in the, the Vince is just part of the roster days. Yes. Like even though he owns the company. One of the boys. Like, he's just one of the boys and he's just like oh fuck it we gotta do this real quick or yep. whatever like that's what he looks like that is what it looks like Bossman doesn't give a shit about Bobby's apology he even tells McMahon not to get in the way he drags Bobby off the platform where Bobby takes a great bump oh like a big pratfall it's like incredible like he just rolls all the way down and awesome like, it's amazing Bobby is so good this is a great thing this I know it is. Yeah. And you know what? Bobby, to his credit, with an injured neck that yeah. he still had from 83 when Onita broke it, and he still was like nagging injuries, taking bumps like that on concrete. Yeah. And, and Bobby doesn't care. Dedication, yeah. man. Dedication. Bossman literally drags him around with cuffs on and down the ringside. Vince has a great line. Big boss man has had enough of this crap. The boss man has had enough. He has had enough of this crap. Bossman now handcuffs Bobby to the guardrail and then gets in to beat up Paul Perez. Who cares? Corner whip, back elbow, big rights, a rope attack. Bobby, of course, is making a big scene outside it's the whole incredible. time. It's incredible. I love it so much. Like, literally, the boss man beating up this Perez guy, it's totally secondary. Yep. Like, they keep, like, showing Bobby, like, freaking the fuck out. Like, it's hilarious. What a testament to his ability to take being chained to a guardrail and making that entertaining. He makes it the whole episode. It's like his like, life yeah, is like, on the yeah, line. Like he makes this the number one thing going on. It's awesome. It's incredible. It really is. I just love how he's selling it, Quinn. It's just look at the way he's selling it. <laughs> I, yeah, he's like panicking. He's like practically crying. It's so good. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Bobby Heenan, sorry now. And then 
every ref that they have runs down, <laughs> along with Rene Goulet, Tony Gurria, Big Fat Chief. Good. I like this touch. They actually like form a shield around Bobby to keep Bossman at bay. Yeah, and Bobby hides in like his own coat. What a fucking <laughs> yeah, scene. like cowering in his coat. He like he like puts his coat over his head, and he's like, "Oh no!" It's, like it's amazing. It's awesome. Bossman takes out the key. Right. And throws it into the crowd. <laughs> so now Bobby's fucked. Yes. He's just hooked. And there's like, st- guys, there's like still like 15 minutes left yes. in the show. I'm not even making this up. Absolutely. And uh, I don't remember if I said this, but the boss man slam got the win in the meantime. Here. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, like, it, it doesn't. This is, this, is, this is all that matters now. Yep. So the refs corral boss man back to the locker room. Bobby's pleading with anyone for a key. This is my favorite touch right here because as boss man's being corralled, what happens? Bobby's pleading. And then the jobbers for the next match just stroll down the aisle. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. It is. It really like, is. I love this. Like literally the show is just continuing and now bobby looks extra panicked yes he, he's like realizing he's like oh my god they're just like continuing on nobody yeah. remembers i'm here yep like you know what i mean it's incredible it is and the jobbers here are barry hardy and ross Lindsay. uh meanwhile now <laughs> power and glory have strolled down the aisle and this is so good paul roma takes a quick look to see if he can help bobby out yeah bobby meanwhile is pleading with slick you can hear him he's like i'll give you twenty thousand dollars <laughs> and then roma is awesome he's like you want to break that, Hercules? Yeah, Hercules then gives this half-ass attempt because yep. two things. He's got a match or whatever, right? Yes. But secondly, you can tell half of it is like Hercules still remembers Bobby like fucking him over with yeah. a slave thing like two years ago. Vince even alludes to it. Right. Former member of the Heenan family now Exa- with Slick. Right, exactly. <laughs> even though he's a heel again, he still like remembers yes. that Bobby like screwed. You want to break that? You want to break that, Hercules? And Paul Roma and Hercules Power and Glory better get in the ring or they're going to be counted out. This is like the continuity. All of it is like incredible. It really is. So it's like, great. You see Hercules kind of try. He give, he gives up after like two seconds. Right. Because meanwhile, Earl is counting them. The match has started. So they're up to eight. So Herc rolls in the ring, calmly clotheslines both jobbers. <laughs> and by the way, Ross Lindsay is Ross Wait, Hart. What? I didn't even notice that. The Hart family's very old. You know, I thought uh, my brother Ross might have a good shot. Get a tryout with Vince and Wheeling. He stinks, by yeah, the way. Too bad they're doing this Bobby thing. So if this is his tryout, this <laughs> yeah. is a horrible. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> Herc, by the way, still doesn't have the pants. Very thankfully, he still got the short yeah. tights. Roma's in now. Still, still has his Power and Glory shirt on. He proudly lands a punch as Vince brings up Shawn Michaels' recent knee injury. Now I love. How we just see the rockers on the cover of a magazine in a box as if none of this scene outside the ring is happening. Yeah. It's like everything's okay and yep. normal. It's like an incredible touch that the producers don't even care about Bobby and Vince is just shilling shit. Yeah. It's amazing. They're just like, well, fuck that shit. It's like the rockers on the cover of yep. WF and like the, even Sean's the box. Injured. Like, if you notice, they pan out and the box goes Covers over Bobby. Bobby. Yes. It's so good. Yeah. Because Bobby's on the left side of the hard cam for the record, right, yeah. right by the eye. Yeah. So yeah, when the box comes in, it's a hard cam shot. Something tells me that that was intentional, just to make it extra like fuck Bobby. Absolutely, like, it's incredible. One hundred percent. Roma kicks Barry Hardy's ass. By the way, beautiful drop kick by Roma as Bobby is still pleading for some help. Slick comes over and asks, <laughs> saying Bobby's like, "Get rude, get rude." Meanwhile, Roma with three backbreakers on Hardy. Hercules comes back in to land 
a punch. <laughs> I love that this match doesn't it's matter. So it's my great. favorite part. It's, so it's like they're like you, you're barely seeing this match. I have to like emphasize that they yeah. keep like every two seconds like back to body like away. crying and like pleading for his life it to really, be let go. It's really awesome. Big press slam by Herc as Bobby continues to plead to anybody to get Rick Rude out here. Meanwhile, the powerplex gets the win. I really like Power and Glory, Quinn. I'm sorry, they're I do. Fun. They're, they're fun. good, and yeah. you know it. Yeah, you know it. You no, came they're, around. They're okay. They're it's good. Just, here's the thing: is all this is so short lived. I know. Like it's 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 really because of their interaction with Bobby here is what makes them great. And their finish. Yeah, and their finish. And their look. Yeah, they're cool. They got a cool look. They do. Bobby's all help, help. <laughs> but Slick just celebrates with his men as we go to break. I love how they just ignore him. Like <laughs> yeah. both of them. Like Bobby's like begging for help, and then they kind of move the camera. Yeah. And then like power and glory is just like yay, yeah, and then they just never like they just leave yep. like they don't even like regard Bobby as there. It's great. We come back. Bobby is trying to give fans money now to get rid. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you money. Get rude. This is still going on. There's like more matches. Yep. You look like you need some money. I'll give you some money. You name your price. Just Bobby, you pleading with someone about the ringside. Don't- In the ring is some dork face as we now hear the toot toot of the tugboat. So this dinghy wanders out with his. Stupid gimmick, but Tugboat's even funny because he just makes faces at Bobby. Right, so Bobby is crying. <laughs> yeah. And you know what the best part? Bobby thinks like he hears Tugboat's music and Bobby sells it as if, oh God, Tugboat, he I always call him fat and yeah, stuff. I always make fun of him. Like Bobby is like preemptively like shielding himself. Yes. But Tugboat decides, like, no, I'm not even gonna beat him up. He just literally points and laughs yep, at him. And then like makes like the Ronnie Garvin face. And then just at like him. goes on with his business and he ignores him completely yeah. for the rest of the thing. It's funny. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, so Chris Duffy is the jobber that's in the ring, and he's wearing these horrible tights, Quinn. He's very radical, dude, with those tights. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like all neon. Yeah, very Ninja Turtles or something. He looks like a Duffy. Yeah, very Duff. <laughs> Patrick Duff. Yeah. Uh, finally, Rick Rude does wander out in his warm-up suit, which is awesome. It's amazing. Rude is Yes, and I actually do like their chemistry here yeah, for so once. You were saying the other day, I think, that like you didn't think they had chemistry they or something. They don't interact often. Right. They really they, don't. And you know what it must be? I remember I was arguing back at you. And yes, was, you were. So I have seen this episode before. I know. And I didn't know I that this was that episode until I turned it on. Right. Now, this was actually... What occurs here is actually the reason why, in my brain, it was always burned in that they had such great chemistry. They're good together this here is, for um, once. This whole thing, how this plays out, is incredible. <laughs> yep. So Rude is doing his best to just use his Rude strength to break the cuffs, but no avail. Meanwhile, no one cares about Tugboat. Rude storms around now looking for a key as Tugboat starts like asking Bobby like what happened. Where's the key? What happened to the key? And then Bobby's like, hey, throw it out. You hear all this all this conversation and like banter and it's it's awesome. It's really good. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tugboat hits a really crummy second rope splash for the win. Nobody cares. None of that matters. Yeah. Vince says the name of our show. Tugboat leaves now as Rude is still trying to dick around with the cuffs. But back to Sean Mooney again. Come on. We don't care. Like, <laughs> literally, this is the point where I'm like, I don't care about the fucking NASA cut. Like, there's shit going on right now in the arena. Like, I don't care. Well, Quinn, Mooney now hypes up on September 30th in Stamford. No. We're going to have the first annual WWF warehouse sale. Wait, what? Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is. Uh, it's like know. a garage sale. It's the, the WWF yard they, sale. They interrupted. Sorry, tag sale in they New England. interrupted. The Bobby Angles so that they could hype up a warehouse sale. They're just selling off their excess merchandise. I can't you even know that's what it is. Shit. 
And if you want to go, it's at 100 Viaduct Road. Seriously, what the hell? Yeah, they give, like, directions. They're, like, exit 9, yeah. like, all this stuff. From I-95, take exit 9. From the Merritt Parkway, take exit yes. 36. The fact that the Merritt Parkway gets a gets a mention is kind of hilarious. Fucking Merritt Parkway. Yeah. Fucking Connecticut. Anyway, after that, just follow the signs to savings, he says. And then just follow the signs to savings. That's what he actually said. Leave off the last S for savings or something. Mooney's what is this? What is irritating. Fucking mattresses yeah. over here. You get a tugboat mattress protector in case you wet your bed with your dinghy. <sighs> anyway, here's a promo from Jimmy Hart and Dino Bravo, basically about how crappy tugboat is. I, this is derailing everything. I, I know. Need, I need to know what's going on with Bobby. But now we get one from the WWF Tag Team Champions, the Hart oh, Foundation. Boy. This is like stereotypical Brett because he starts his promo with. You know, and then he says, against the rhythm and blues. Against. Against <laughs> yeah. the rhythm and yeah. blues. You know, when the Hart Foundation won the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team titles, we knew there was going to be a lot of pressure, but we like pressure. We couldn't yeah. think of a better place to start than Madison Square Garden against the rhythm and blues. Right, Anvil? When he runs down more of this card before we go away. Good. Can we keep, please get back to Bobby, please? No. First promotional consideration ah! is paid for by G.I. Joe crap. Vehicle shit. A very weird WWF Hasbro commercial where it starts with Jesse like, you gotta love figures. And Mean Gene's like, Hulk Hogan, yeah. Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, I guess since Jesse doesn't work here, they're trying to phase that out. Yeah. It's weird. Weird. Electronic talking battleship. I always love that. I As think always, we've mentioned yes. this. It's a, they've they hyped this for years on WF programming. Great game. Yeah. Captain Skyhawk for yeah, NES. It looks like Silver Surfer, but with like a plane. You know, the shitty Silver Surfer yes. NES game. And then a Bubble Yum commercial as narrated by Lord himself. Bubble Yum keeps it popping. Bubble Yum keeps it popping. You know, anyway. Strip stripe gum. Whatever. <laughs> Fruit stripe gum. No, There's no strip it's stripe. Real. No, it's, it's not. It's 100% real. Mandela. Back to ringside where Vince is with Rude and Bobby. Yeah, nice of Vince to get out of his fucking chair and like <laughs> see what's going on this, here. You could really get a look at his bad hair in yeah, this shot. It's true. Too bad it's not Gorilla. Gorilla would have been funnier. Oh, look at your yeah, brain! Yeah, I know. <laughs> but anyway, they yell at Vince, including some bleeped out words. Oh, they are like freaking out. And my favorite part here is Vince is just like, well, don't talk like that, but next week, yeah. like, and it just goes yeah. into like, who's on next show? Right, which will have the Heart Foundation, uh, Jim Duggan, and his highlights that he has. Yep. Rhythm and Blues. This sounds like a crappy episode. Nikolai Volkov, Dino Bravo. But now back to Bobby and Rude one more time where Rude yells, this is bullshit. So I, I'm i going to stand by this that he actually said, because it's the way it's beeped, Joe. Yeah. And maybe we can just put it just so the fans can decide. But I think he said, this is bullfuck. No one says bullfuck. I know, but he's supposed James to be. James Rolfe, maybe. I think he was like all huff and he like messed up. We'll see if we can find out. I swear that that's what he said. Maybe. It's not bullshit. It's bullfuck. I don't think he said bullfuck, but (laughs) maybe. It it actually, like, would go with the whole, like, how pissed he is. He just can't even, like, say stuff, right? (laughs) Can't say his curses, right? Uh, Vince's hair, like we said, horrible as we fade out. Yeah, I love the fade out on the zoom in on the cuffs. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) That's the last thing we see. Oh, man, this is such a fun episode, especially for a challenge. Everything was fun and short. The warrior stuff was really fun. The Bobby stuff was great. Plus, unlike SummerSlam, no Roddy Piper to be found anywhere. Unbelievable. <laughs> right? So good. This is an incredible, like, to me, this is like a legendary episode of Challenge. Like, Tremendous. You don't get this on Challenge, like, ever. No. It's rare that we get all this storyline stuff. Yeah, it was actually, like, all storyline. Yeah. All the squashes were quick. Right. Because the it, way we about, like it was, like, about the feuds. It was about but, the feuds. It was absolutely amazing, and I love this. And this... Yep. 
I'm so glad Richard picked this out because I didn't realize this was this episode until again when until I turned, you turned it, on. it on, right? And as soon as I realized, that, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like one of this is one of my favorite challenge episodes of all time. It might be my favorite challenge episode. It probably of all. is it's mine. So too. good, so good, folks. And a nice snapshot of to the fall of 1990 angles. You know, as we come right. off of SummerSlam, the weird in between between this and Survivor Series, it's still pretty good. This is actually like. Their writing is actually okay. It's really point, good. Yeah. yeah. After the misfire that was SummerSlam 90 to an extent. It's a good recovery. Nice recovery. No Piper. But folks, thanks so much for being with us here. We hope you've enjoyed yet another episode in the world of retro wrestling. We've romped you through. We'll, of course, be back next week for episode number 186. Another hot young up-and-comer. Send your suggestions. We will also get another Royal Flush, and we'll be reviewing something. Until that time, I encourage you to support us on Patreon if you want more stuff patreon.com slash OVP podcast and hey as soon as this podcast ends go over to iTunes leave us a review we'd really appreciate that and of course follow us on Twitter join the group but until next time I'm Joe Morata that's Michael Quinn and we will see you next week see ya all right out here with Bobby the Brain Heenan Ravishing Rick Rude Mini Weber You got what was coming to you. He beat me up and you had him do it. Where's the key? Where's the boss, man? Get the key. Get the key, McMahon. We'll, we'll get back to this in a moment, but right now, let me tell you about next week's wrestling challenge. Scheduled to join us will be the Hart Foundation, the newly crowned World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. To join us as well, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Rhythm and Blues, Nikolai Volkov will be here, along with Canadian strongman Dino Bravo. Um, Bobby, Bobby, all those three